Hey, yo, what's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. Big shout out to DJ City and Beat Source. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We've got uh, DJ Never. Yo, what's up? We got DJ D Miles. Yo, what's good? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. We got a special episode today, and I haven't talked to a lot of these motherfuckers. And, uh, you know, this is kind of like uh, our Friendsgiving episode with Thanksgiving uh, this week. And I know how much Goldie, you know, Goldie was talking to me earlier, how much he's, he told me he's never had a Friendsgiving. So I wanted to oh, throw, 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 go- <laughs> I wanted to throw Goldie <laughs> a Friendsgiving on Zoom. So, I mean, going down the line, we got Eddie McDonald here in Las Vegas. We got Eli Escobar in New York. We got Ross one in L.A. We've got Rotacon in Seattle. We've got Dizza in Miami. Hopefully, Raul, Raulism will join from Miami as well. We got MoMA in LA, and we got Goldfinger in New York. What up, fellas? Uh, hey, what's yeah. going what's on? What's going on? I never seen so many unemployed people in my life, yo. <laughs> 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 what's up with y'all, man? How's everything going? Is there, are you guys gonna see like family for the holidays? Y'all, y'all laying low. What's going on? Yeah, I'm. I'm here in LA. Uh, my parents are here in LA. They've been coveting with with my brothers. Yeah. So I figured I'd just come here because there's no one in New York right now for me, not my family. Yeah, with the third wave coming in, are you just going to stay in L.A.? You're going to go back to New York? I go back to New York next week because I go back to Africa in two weeks. So I got to pick up a bunch of things and then get out. Zanzibar. (laughs) Zanzibar, South Africa, maybe Rwanda, who knows? Yo, so wait, Cali's getting hit hard, right, with this third wave. New York is getting hit hard. Yeah, we're back in lockdown over here. Miami's been going buck wild with with Atlanta, right, in Georgia. Florida (laughs) don't, don't give a fuck, right, Dez? You've been going out? Yeah, actually, every night I just go out. COVID, there's actually, no, actually, I don't, but really, it's really crazy in Miami. People are just wild and, like, they're just acting like nothing happened. Like, nothing happened at all. You guys have, like, the but worst really, curfew, right? You guys have, like, a 7 p.m. curfew or some shit, because y'all been wilding out. No, so we have a 12 p.m. curfew, I'm pretty sure. So clubs aren't open in Miami? Clubs are not open, but the ones that have outdoor areas are. Because clubs like, are open in Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta don't give a fuck. Like, Atlanta's just, yeah. like, going on. Wait, how come the Atlanta's numbers aren't like going, another world. How come it's not going, like, the numbers aren't going crazy? Like, everyone's out there, like... What like, do you mean? Oh, No, the numbers Atlanta? are going crazy. Are they? Yeah. Out of control. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> they just don't care. But you guys all live, you guys all live in states that have, like, um, blue governors and shit. Like, our state, like, really, they don't care. Well, they just they just announced that they would. What Eddie, you probably know this. Sisolak announced our governor in, in Nevada just announced that there's basically twenty. What is it? Twenty five percent capacity now. Places that were previously like fifty percent, he knocked down to twenty five percent. But not all places, you know. I mean, I took notes, but he's gonna he's gonna watch it for three weeks. But uh, I mean, he's not shutting the the state down. He can't. Yeah, I mean, it would have. They'll I mean, fuck- it's bittersweet. It's like yeah. you know, there's the part of me that's like, if unless you shut it the fuck down. Nothing's gonna. You're not gonna see a change in the numbers, but then if you shut it down, I mean, it's gonna be catastrophic. I think. Las, Las Vegas would like fucking wild out and fuck him up. They would literally go to his house and fuck yeah, him I, up. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Restaurants and bars are now down to twenty five percent. No more than four guests to a party now, which I think previously it was six. I think or seven. Yeah, maybe. it was six. It was six. Uh, reservations are required. There's no walk-ins allowed. Uh, gyms got knocked down to 25%. Casinos, I believe, got knocked down to 25% as well. Um, public gatherings need to be 50 people uh, or 
of occupancy, whichever is less. Um, but what, why is why is Cali, why is the Cali governor shutting everything down in that state? Like I don't understand. Why didn't he just have it at twenty five percent capacity as well? That I don't know. The, the fucking the cases are going up high right now. They're gonna go back to just uh, curbside pickup and delivery only. Like all the restaurants are gonna be shut down. All the bars, everything's getting shut down. By yeah, Jamie, I think the benchmark is four thousand cases per day. Yeah. And uh, yesterday or the day before, they had four thousand and ninety seven. So Shit. when they when they cross that threshold some new measures kick in. So that that's my understanding. Did you I yeah. think it's going I think it's going 3 weeks uh for 3 for 3 weeks as well. I think they're going to like yeah. monitor for the next 3 weeks and then see if they're going to open back up like that. Did y'all expect this shit? Did you did you guys know that it would, you know, this second third wave was going to come and it was going to be a lot worse? Y'all were expecting this? Yeah, huh? they've been telling us about it since April, you yeah. know, like what every medical professional has been talking about this whole time that it was going to come back in the fall. It just came back a lot faster and a lot stronger than they were expecting i was i was expecting it as well but then like around september october i was getting like oh shit you know we might get through this shit a little bit and then the numbers just started going crazy in november and i was like oh yeah we're we're basically fucked till when what do you like february i will say like in miami it's kind of like obviously the cases are going crazy but in, in a way it's weird. Like it just kind of feels like, <clears throat> like controlled kind of like, I don't know, like people are definitely getting sick for sure all the time. And the, um, the lines to like testing are longer and longer, but I, I don't know. It, I, I don't know if people are just like living life as if they're just supposed to get the virus or whatever, but shit is, it feels, feels pretty normal in Miami. I got to say like all, Aside from clubs not being open till like five in the morning, I don't know. Shit is just kind of like everyone's kind of weird about eating indoors, but a lot of people are not. Like you just drive by restaurants and shit, and mad people are like indoors eating, and people are definitely at the parties, like not wearing their masks. Like it's just kind of like normal life, I guess. You know? Yeah, I feel I feel the same. I feel like everybody's just now they kind of expect to just catch the shit. And move on with their lives. They don't think they can catch it again or, you know, it could jeopardize shit in the future. Who's thinking so like that? Who's thinking like that? I feel like a lot of people are thinking like that. Really? I mean, look, yeah, look, listen to what, what this is just said. He said that that's how people are living in Miami. Yeah, but I motherfuckers like, in Florida are crazy, yo. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, Georgia think, is the same shit, yo. Like, motherfuckers. But yeah, but Atlanta's the same way right now. Like, they're just illy willy about shit. I mean, so, Texas too. Like, if you look at Texas numbers, like Dallas. Like the people we know so in San Antonio. Let me ask Austin. you guys a question because you're all DJs. Yeah. So I've gotten, I've been getting booking requests in oh, places yeah, yeah, like yeah. Dallas, mm-hmm. Vegas, mm-hmm. Um, Tulum. Like I've been getting booking requests. I turn them all down, but it, it, it's really crazy to me that, that that there are places that are just like carrying on. And, and have you guys been getting booking requests and stuff? Well, I'll, for me in Miami, I've never gotten a booking request. So. <laughs> <laughs> for me in That's Miami, personally, no for me. <laughs> I have, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like I've done a gig or two already, but not like club shit. More like poolside stuff that it's just like you know, nobody's mm-hmm. really doing anything. But and is it mar- I, is it marketed as like a? Um, no, no, uh, no, it's like. It's like so house shit, you know, like not market. Yeah, at all. yeah, like, yeah. I've done, I've done some stuff like that. But in, in, in New York, though, only in New York. Right. 
I just I right. just did towel I did towel on Saturday. They they don't have no more dance floor. They put like the the couches in the middle of the dance floor. But it's inside. It's, it's inside. inside. Yeah. Yeah. Because people I, are like definitely first... active. I mean, like the yeah. club, like yo, like one eight hundred lucky is like cracking, and mad clubs like that are just going. Like you know, lounges are like going, and people from out of town are definitely coming down here to DJ, and all like the Miami like hip hop guys are definitely going to like Texas and Atlanta. And getting bags and like doing it, you know. Do y'all guys think that um, open carry has anything to do with the the lockdown as far as with what states open? Oh, good question. Yeah, because Georgia's open. Uh, they can carry freely, and so is Florida, and so is Texas, and so is here in Nevada, so is Nevada. Red states, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just red states. Is open carry the same thing as concealed weapons license? No, No, open carry. carry is. Open carry means you can carry it in plain sight on your person. You can steal it. Well, you can have a gun. And it's not like you catching any beef about, you know, somebody saying something about it, you know? But, like, yeah. if you go to Arizona, a guy in and out will have a pistol on his head. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Wait, so, Goldie. Okay. With the lockdowns. So, Goldie, are you trying to say with the with the lockdowns, uh, with the curfews and shit like that, they're, they're implementing the curfews because – in states that don't have uh, open carry because people can't protect themselves? My thought of it is that they can't stop you from going out if you have guns or you have access. <laughs> like in the, you know, in the event, it, it gets thick. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, how can we really control everybody when people are packing? You know what I mean? Right. Mm. From my experience in Florida, like, I don't feel like people are so worried about guns because everybody has a gun. Mm-hmm. So... You know, but it might be different in like Texas where like, I guess if you roll, you know, I guess it might be different, but I haven't really felt that effect in Florida. I think they just did it because our governor was like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to pay unemployment and I'm, I'm on the Trump train. So let's get it. I mean, your, your governor is a piece of shit, but it all just comes down to who your governor is. (laughs) It's all, it's it's, if you, if your governor is a piece of shit too, if if your governor needs, (laughs) needs, to make the president happy, you're going to be open regardless of the consequence. And if your governor, if your governor cares about the people and wants to get this shit under control, he's going to take the measures that you need to do to do that. Otherwise, you're going to let it fucking go nuts. That's it. It's, it's not. There's no. There's no like. You know. Where is Joe Mog? <laughs> Why is it? <laughs> the prep for this uh, for this group must have been a little less. This week, last week. <laughs> well, now that's gonna be that's Joe's gonna be the, gonna gonna be the surprise guest. Yeah, I was on. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't so, know. <laughs> so wait, I gotta. So like, well, I would say like out of uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would say like maybe I don't know. A lot of y'all disagreed with us and disapproved of us having Joe Maz on the episode on the podcast last week. And you guys voiced it to me in private. Some some motherfuckers went off on Twitter. Of course, we got, we got, we just got f- fucked up on Twitter from a lot of DJs. The fans were mad. The fans I were support, mad, bro. I support oh. having Joe Mazda on. Thumbs up for me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's a totally reasonable opinion to think that we should open up. I don't necessarily think we should, but they're not going to fucking do anything for anybody. They're not going to help restaurants. They're not going to give people any fucking money. And so they're saying like. Stay in your house or you're fucked, but they're not going to fucking help you. So if we can't really, if we're like totally fucked, 
it is a reasonable opinion to be like, fuck this, they should let us open that, up. That wasn't his opinion or his argument at all. His I mean, masks not don't work, masks make you sicker. <laughs> his, uh, scientists are lying to you. It, it, his opinion yeah, wasn't just like, they, yeah. got, they gotta give yeah. us some money, otherwise they gotta let us open up. That was not, there was that was no part of that conversation. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, yeah. I still support <laughs> Joe Maz. I don't <laughs> Joe Maz, I mean, like, making fun of Cosmo Baker on Twitter. I'm all for it. Oh, God. Support Joe Maz uh, because he's a troll and you, and you, uh, and you like trolls. You have a soft no, I didn't even realize who Joe Maz was. <laughs> Nobody did. That's perfect. Ellie, huh? no, because yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't realize he was the other guy in discotheque. Yeah. yeah. Him and Danny Dave. Yeah, his- I think Joe Maz shit is just like he's just an idiot. But like idiots have to live, right? Like you can't just like <laughs> not have idiots, you know? Like he's what are you gonna do? He's not a stupid person. That's the thing. He's not dumb, you know. Like he, he has mean, the ability to retain all this this information. He has the ability to do the mental gymnastics necessary to like cherry pick facts and quotes from months ago and and try to apply them on a broad scale. Like he's not, he's just basically been indoctrinated by, indoctrinated by, you know, right-wing media that clearly he just, you know, consumes yeah. that shit. And but also maybe he just took it as an opportunity did. to brand himself. You got to think about it. You got the vast majority of DJs who, you know, have a certain opinion. Right. Like did, on, Joe, on, did Joe Maz have a name before this? Exactly. Did now, know who he was? now we all know. I don't know. I'm is. asking you guys. In, I feel like I in the DJ he community, was. he had a name. Yeah, yeah. But as guys, a producer, he definitely had a name. There, yeah. there was an okay. actual DJ that DJ Trump's conference, right? Who was that guy? Ravi Drums. Ravi Drums. Ravi Drums. Yeah. Really? The, the <laughs> yeah. You know, I used to Didn't, DJ with him. He used to Didn't be on the be drums. On scam? Yeah, he was on Scam. I used to DJ with him. He was on the drums and I was DJing. And he's he's Indian. So I think Suji wanted to, to market it as like a Harold and Kumar act <laughs> so it would have been <laughs> so it would have been me you know the korean asian dude and then kumar would have been ravi drums but for some reason at that time it was a big thing to de- to book a dj and a drummer you know obviously with the am and all Harold, that shit i think Harold this was before Kumar, more like <laughs> with him a bunch he's a nice dude he's given his reasons for for why he did that i'm sure most people would disagree with he's them, got but kids he's you know, got his, kids they're yeah. his valid reasons that's also different than just like repeating conspiracy theories all day you did know, you know like, what do you think his bag was for doing he did the inauguration for trump right someone very close to me yeah. got offered that gig how um, much what, how much would they offer and it was a fucking bag it was crazy like 50k it was yeah it was like you know a lot <laughs> It was a fucking guy. That's what he said. In that well, ball, Ross, in that ballpark, and the Ross, would have you're not disclosing who the person is, so why can't well, I can't? You I'm not going to do that. It was a, it was an immediate shutdown, obviously, and then right. uh, you know someone else took that took the money. Well, can I ask you guys um, why did you think it was dangerous? So a lot of motherfuckers on Twitter said it was dangerous to have him on our podcast. Uh, that's exaggerated. That's exaggerated. Oh, it is Everyone because, knows because how look, stupid fucking DJs are, and then DJs yeah, yeah. are so fucking stupid they might listen to this guy. <laughs> There's so, a reason why, like Fox News dangerous. and Breitbart have huge followings. Like it's a they can make a an appealing argument, and especially if you're out of work, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily understand why COVID isn't directly affecting Fuck your family. Dessert. It's a it's a you know hearing someone just say like "fuck this," open up. The government has a conspiracy against you. They're trying to make it so you can't work. 
you know, that can appeal to people. I don't believe no. the podcast gave him a, a platform that he didn't already have. Everybody knew his opinion. I mean, he's still at 13,000 followers on Twitter. You know what his stance is by now. You know, the Road podcast fan base is very niche. It's, we know who, you know, is tuning in. I, I, I didn't think it was giving him any kind of new platform that he didn't already have. He already has a voice. He's voiced it very loud and clear. And it's unfortunate, you know, I mean, I know his, his body of work in, in the studio, you know, got him a lot of respect and stuff like that. He's, he's you know, but I, I, I don't know. I think now he's being known more for his political views or outshining his, his music, but I don't think it was, I don't feel it was irresponsible at all for road to have him on. He already, like I said, it's not like he's has, 200 followers and then road podcast opened him up to thousands. He's probably got more people reading his, his tweets than, you know, that episode might get listeners. I don't know. You know, so did, you, did that episode get more plays than the, your other episodes? Not, did you not, notice any, anything about not like, drastically, not drastically. Okay. It wasn't like it tripled the numbers or anything or doubled numbers I, in, in the end of it all. Look like Shecky and Joe Moss were going at it on Twitter, right? We've already had Joe Miles on the podcast, you know. He he was on there like mm-hmm. four months ago. But I wanted to speak to him as a DJ and producer and just kind of show that he was kind of human, right? Because he was notorious on Twitter already as being like just like kind of just crazy, just spewing off shit. I don't I didn't even know that he was spewing off like crazy George Floyd shit before, you know what I'm saying? But he was saying some crazy Joe Miles shit. was? Yeah. So I yeah, didn't yeah. I didn't see any of that shit, but I got told later, obviously, from the blowback. We got a blowback from the episode. and people Yeah, were but here's me. the thing, right? Like, everybody that's like Joe Maz, they fall in line with that train of thought. Like, you didn't have to see it to know that that's his, that was his stance. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just kind of like, like the Joe Maz types are going to, they're like, they're like the same as each other. Yeah. In the same way, like, we all have similar feelings. It's like our own echo chamber, like, of where we exist and his own I, echo chamber. I disagree. Like I, I don't think that's the way. If you're going to have a debate, you have facts versus facts. You can have your opinion about it. But when one person in the debate is completely denying the truth, that's a dangerous debate. It's like, you know, that that's not a back and forth. I don't really even think that's a debate. From. That's not really no, a debate if one not. person isn't. Yeah. It's not a debate. It's not it's based not in real world. It's not based in science or fact or anything. It's just based in, in one person trying to convince another person that the lies he believes are are not are lies. You know what I mean? And it, it didn't work and it doesn't work. And Shecky did an amazing job, you know, with a really difficult job, but you can't debate someone who isn't going to be based on planet Earth when it comes to Yeah, but to Ross, my point is facts. if you if you listen to that part if you listen to that episode and you were like Oh, if, if you if you fell in line with what Joe Moss thought, no matter what Shecky Green was saying, you weren't going to be convinced that Shecky Green was telling the truth. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's where we stand right now as a society, as painful as it is for us to like deal with. It's just the truth. Like we all have family members and people that we know like that are like on that train, and you could tell them all day long like here's your reality and here's the actual reality, and they still will pick their reality. Versus like the facts, you know, it's just, I, 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 I do see how it could be dangerous, but I also think that like the road podcast is not like, I don't know, like, I don't think the standard that the road podcast has is like some sort of like academic standard where we should care. You no, know, it was good. Did a, did a good job. Like guys I said, still he did say as well as pause on this show. This is fucking for <laughs> <laughs> fine. 
<laughs> That's true. Yeah. I was it was well like our whole our whole thing was that Shecky and Joe were going at it on Twitter. They you know, they said let's do a, let's do this on an open forum and then they picked Road Podcast. So I was like, I trust Shecky. And I was like, yo, Shecky is gonna <laughs> debate with him or go back and forth with him. I'll I'll give him my platform because I trust Shecky. And then Shecky got no blowback, but Road got every blowback. Yeah, I was just like, you know, I wanted you guys to kind of sh- you know, Ellie um, called. Ellie texted me, and Ellie like hardly ever texts me. But he, but he was like, "Yo, what are you?" <laughs> he texted me like, "Yo, what are you doing? Like, what, what, what are you doing? Like having this guy on there? You know what I mean?" And even when I, hey, you see, you see what happens if you go against the liberal consensus. Everybody freaks out, man. <laughs> Respect to Joe Maz fighting, <laughs> fighting the power. I love it. Hey, yo, by the way, we, we got Raul. It's in impossible the to have a serious conversation. Speaking of with the this power, guy. Raul, what up, man? <laughs> oh, isn't in the building. We got, we got the other thing is, I, 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 do, I do wish that combo for a second would have, I wish Shecky or someone would have confronted him about Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor. Like, you got to kind of expose that this isn't just something that's a concern about coronavirus. This is a, it's a conspiracy right. theory around everything. And it's yeah, about law enforcement. It's a heavily, like, there's a heavy white supremacist uh, overtones to all of it. It's just... It's not cool, and I, that was the one thing where I was kind of like, I wish we could have gotten into kind of a little deeper about how how this isn't just about you know wanting to go back to work. You know, there's a, there's a lot bigger thing here, and it's about these white men. You know, these kind of like angry white men personality types who believe this shit, like Rock. You're yo, you're totally right, <laughs> but I will say, I will say, like the the real question is like, all right, Joe Maz is just like the forward facing DJ of this, but like. How many club owners and people that we probably deal with on a regular basis probably feel just like Joe Maz, like people that we get texts from and shit. And it's like a lot, a lot, a lot. Sure. And, and, and like, to me, it's like, I don't know, like the, the world that we exist in as DJs, like just because of how, how much like making money is kind of like entangled with like kind of being a piece of shit in America. Like you kind of like, I mean, it's just I don't know, like, you, Joe Maz is obviously, sorry if you're listening to this dude, but you're an idiot, but, like, how many other people are also idiots in our world, and it's like, I don't know. Everybody's going to dunk on Joe Maz, and they're going to go take a check from some fucking scumbag Trumper as soon as we reopen. This, this shit sucks. Talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Rockicon is important in the DJ community. <laughs> Well, oh, Joe Maz is so bad. Joe Maz is so bad. And fucking so-and-so fucking club owners like signing that check come summer 2021. Y'all taking that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, yo, I started, I started feeling bad for him. Not bad. Like, I just felt like maybe it was like he just seemed like he was under a spell a little bit, you know? Like As I was listening to it, I didn't, I didn't get the, the feeling that he was like some blatant racist or something like that. And he had he had a couple of points that it seemed like were debatable. It wasn't like he was just off his rocket. He seemed like he was well. I don't know his background from Twitter and all that other stuff. I'm just hearing about him for the first time on your podcast. Mm-hmm. But he didn't seem like he was like a maniac or something like that. You know what I mean? Just seemed the like point. you guys. I think that's what makes it even maybe more potentially yeah. dangerous if you give people a platform to kind of like. I didn't mean to cut you off, by the way. Um, give people a platform to like 
basically spread lies and, and misinformation about something that's making people sick, then, and they're not crazy necessarily, or they don't come across crazy. It gives people, and, and like I said, when I called you crooked, I mean, I don't take this as an insult, but I kind of thought that maybe there was going to be a, a, a potential for, for, I, I wasn't sure like how popular the, the podcast was or like how broad of a, of a uh, audience it was going to reach. Right. If you're really, if you're really doing this podcast for like, a niche group of people who already knew what that dude was about or whatever. That's, that's kind of different. I thought it was responsible that you guys had your platform and, and allowed that, you know, back and forth to where you can, you know, basically give this guy a chance and, you know, you, you guys can be an opposing sides to it. So I wasn't really mad at that. And some points I'm thinking that just because it hasn't happened or because we haven't been faced with it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. Like, how do you guys feel about um, the vaccines? How do you feel about mandatory vaccines? I'm ready. Put that shit in my veins. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm European. I take whatever the government gives me. Let, let it get to the <laughs> FDA and, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I trust scientists safe? more than I trust conspiracy uh, theory people on Twitter, you know. I'll, I'll be in the it second like- half of people that take it. I don't want to be in the first half. I'll be my the do- I went to, the doc- to my doctor the other day and... um. He was telling me about it. He was like a 95% success rate. is like, that's like, we take flu vaccines every, every year. And that's like a 65% success mm-hmm. rate. So 95% uh, success rate is, is pretty, pretty amazing. Does everybody take and the flu shots every year? There was a, there was a oh, swine flu vaccine here in the States in the seventies in the mid seventies, they rolled out a swine flu vaccine. And after about 25% of the population had been vaccinated, they cut it off because it was, paralyzing some people really? and people are dying and stuff wow. so they cut it out it's not that long ago they ran they rolled out a vaccine and thought it worked and it fucking like killed people right. i'm not saying yeah. that's gonna happen but i'm not taking that yeah. first i'll wait i mean you won't you won't get it first anyway so don't worry <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying there's going to be a rollout yeah. plan and you're not going to yeah, be the first person to get it. No, like my yeah. boy's a firefighter and they're getting theirs like in a week and a half. Like, Yeah, my doctor told me he was getting his like this week mm. or he was oh. supposed yeah. to be getting it. Yeah, and no, Nobody's going to force you to get a vaccine, but you may not be able to do certain things if you don't have it in, mm-hmm. in for the sake of public safety. You know what I mean? So no one's going to like come knocking on your door and be like, have you got this? But if Please. you try to go into a a very crowded place or get on an airplane, they might want to make sure that you're not, that you're Joe protected. brought that up on the podcast. Would you guys be cool with that? Like if you couldn't go to a concert without having your vaccine records or hopping on a plane or doing certain things, going to a football game, like you're, you'd be fine with that. That's the, the, the private owner of those establishments decision basically on that. Yeah. You know? There's no chance that'll ever happen in America. Maybe yeah. in like you're not going to need a vaccine to go to like Sturgis, you know, some shit like that. So you're just going to have to pick new events to go to. You know? I, I think the only thing that Florida isn't going to make you do it. You know, I mean, like you're going to be able to go to Dolphins games. Yeah, no question. for sure. You can go to Dolphins game right now. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> crazy. I think the only thing that would have prevented me from actually, you know, t- having the vaccine is whoever was in office distributing that shit. Like if Trump was in office, it has nothing to do with him. I know, but I don't know for some people who are for some people who are developing. No, the people who have developed the vaccine have actually made a statement saying we are they're separating themselves from Trump. He's trying to take credit, but it has nothing to do with him. Yeah. Well, they weren't a part of Operation Warp Speed, right? Is that what they were saying? 
for some reason, I just don't trust him with like handling of any of that shit. So I would have been like, yo, I'm not taking like y'all motherfuckers. But also that that, that mistrust of the entire scientific community of the world, not Mm -hmm. just the United States. That's part of the danger of the conversation you have with this guy, because that they're planting that seed in people that you shouldn't trust your doctor, that you should trust him and his opinion over what your doctor is telling you. Like that's some crazy shit, you know, and, and, they don't come out right out and say it, but that's the underlying thing. Every, you know, scientist, every government official, everyone is trying to fuck you over. It's a grand conspiracy among emergency rooms, I, you know, they're making you wear masks. Have you met someone like Joe Maz? I mean, someone who like actually believed all that shit that he was peddling. I've, I've never met no, anyone like you met around with a person like, like that. Yeah. In Miami. In Miami. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I met people like that. They, Hell yeah. They, they don't even believe it, really. You see the smirk when they'll, like, pop oh. off with that flat earth shit. I knew flat earthers in LA, all types of people. Wow. It's just, uh, it's just nuts and having a good time. The flat earth stuff, that's good stuff, man. You got to get into that. <laughs> Who's a flat earther? BLB is the flat earther, right? BLB yeah, is the like rapper or whatever. Did it the jet? Didn't the Jesuit just I, announce it on Twitter that he believes in the flat earth? <laughs> no. Probably. The flat earth shit's fire, man. Moon landing. F- fakers. Yeah, there was a hip hop, big hip hop artist that came out as a flat, uh, flat earth. Yeah. It was P Rock. Was it P Rock? P Rock is his social media. He's gone somewhere. P Rock is crazy on Instagram and shit. He's been in the basement. Still my favorite producer of all time. He's, he's been in the. Basement. I mean, Raul and I, Raul and I know mad people who are definitely like on some on like deep in the Trump chain, Trump train. But really, it's just like they don't want to pay taxes, so mm-hmm. they'll just say whatever it takes to yeah. like not pay those taxes. You know, especially in especially in the Cuban community here, they're already like super anti-communist and shit. So like, and they think that anything like left of Trump is communist. So like, obviously, like you know. The real shit is the real issue is taxes. I honestly bet. I honestly bet for someone like Joe Maz, it kind of is that too. But you know, whatever. I don't. Uh, we don't talk about day, it anymore. The other day, I went to get coffee at a Cuban coffee shop, and they were playing like Cuban radio. Yo, it's the yeah, it's crazy, crazy shit. It's like Alex Jones on on meth. It's crazy. <laughs> that just the shit that they're talking about. It's it's insane. Like in Spanish, it's all in Spanish. So I was just like drinking coffee and listening to these guys like play the shit on the radio. And it was just like, dude, what the fuck, man? Like I was just like blown away. It's like Alex Jones on it. I, it's, I, I can't even describe it. You just have to listen to it. They're, they're, uh, I, I think they're going to pull the plug on these dudes because it's just they're like they're straight up want to start like a revolution here. Yeah, yeah, Miami's 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 actually the crazy. Miami Cubans have always been very right right wing, right? I mean, oh, well, like, actually, yeah. there's a documentary that just came out uh, called 537 about the Gore and Bush election. I mean, the yeah. Gore and Bush election. Yeah. And it kind of gives you like a real oversight. Like Miami Cubans were actually starting to to go progressive until Elian Hernandez happened. Oh, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, yeah. And Gonzalo, sorry. And once Elian yeah. happened, like they all, because they sent them back to Cuba, they were like fuck Democrats for life. And that's basically it. Like Elian yeah. literally turned like like uh what's her name? Uh the uh, the the attorney general. Come on, uh, Raul, Janet, Reno? Janet, Janet Reno is like single handedly responsible for like turning the radicalizing like Cubans to like extreme right wing. 
It's it's, it's the only Hispanic group that's like right wing, really. That's not true. Venezuelans, Colombians, Argentine, Argentinians, they're all fucking mad right wing because no, like the. Pro- I mean, yeah, uh, you could even say Nicaraguan. I'm Nicaraguan, and like I, I they, but they're also like Cubans are do have a lot of political power, so that's why they do matter more. Yeah. I mean, Nicaraguans could do all they want; there, no one gives a shit. <laughs> what I noticed from after this whole Joe Maz thing is like I didn't realize how fucking crazy some liberals can be, though. Like on Twitter, like I thought it was like really. <laughs> like I've never experienced that shit, but it's pretty kind. Of, it's it's kind of nuts. I considered myself. Well, if a you don't, if you don't think the way that they think, they'll like a Obama, you. They'll yeah. scream at you. They're the same as the crazy right wing people. Right? They're not. See, I, I thought I, I was even a liberal. Vote this year. I want nothing to do with any of it. I'm just I'm grilling, man. Fuck this shit. I kind of huh? considered myself a liberal, but I guess I'm not because I was like, yo, these motherfuckers are kind of nuts, yo. Like. They're really on some next level shit. Like, you know, when comedians say that they never want to like do college shows and shit because like everyone's so sensitive in, in universities and colleges now, like, you know, they have like microaggression and all of this shit. You know what I'm saying? I was just weirded out by the whole experience, man. I've never, I've never seen that shit I mean, where like, but I, Crooked, I think you're talking about Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say, you can't judge any group of people based on your interactions on Twitter. Twitter or YouTube. Twitter's just a place where people go to, 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 you know, act out. And I wanted to talk to you guys. Oh, well, do you want to bring this up, Mo? You you were kind of talking about this. Your favorite new app, Clubhouse. Your new app that you invested in. Wait, you did? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I was invited to Clubhouse by a few friends of mine who swore by it. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't do it. And what, what Clubhouse is, in essence, it's kind of like Zoom without the video and you can just stumble into like random zoom calls without the video it's all audio mm. it's essentially all conference calls and it, it runs the gamut from people just spewing verbal diarrhea about shit they don't know about to a room that's got like four or five celebrities talking about dating culture and hip-hop culture so it, it could be very interesting and in the middle you could have like actual experts talking about their disciplines, whether it's IT or music industry or investments or whatever. And I guess the way they curate it is that it's invite only. So I think it's still beta. So you have to get an invitation to join, but that's where the curation stops. Once you're in the clubhouse, there's no curation. And, you know, anyone can start a room about anything. And uh, granted it's a pandemic, but it's amazing how much spare time people have and how much they're willing to listen to other people talk and listen to the sound of their own voices all day long. You know what I mean? So that's uh, clubhouse in a nutshell. Was it, was it meant to be a dating app or just like a, a social? Nah, app? it was started. I think it was like some Silic- Silicon Valley type of joint, super exclusive. Oh, so that's another caveat. The exclusivity is why people want in on it. You know, it's extra corny because People will be yeah. in a room in Clubhouse and maybe there's a conversation between, I don't know, you know, Oprah and whatever. Right. Yeah. And that happens in Clubhouse within this exclusive platform. And then they'll go to Twitter and they'll be like, yo, last night's convo between Oprah and DJ Mustard was amazing. Just to yeah. kind of like reinforce the fact that I'm in and you're out, you fucking loser. So it's just corny. Can I ask it's a corny. question? Can you, could, since it's like conference style, like if Oprah and Mustard are talking can you like interrupt them and like promote your mixtape or something so every room 
whoever starts the room, right, is is like the lead administrator, right? So let's just say, let's take for 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 instance, this is a room, right? And me and Dizza started a room to talk about Cubans in Miami and their right wing tendencies, right? Mm -hmm. So me and Dizza are talking. Never joins Clubhouse or logs in, and he's like, "Oh, Mo and Diz are in a room. Let me hop in there." So he listens, and he's in a lower tier of people who are just listeners, right? Now Jamie comes in, and Jamie goes, "What the fuck does Mo know about Latino culture? I want to say something." And Jamie can put his hand up, and I have the privilege to allow him to speak or to just keep him in the audience. Uh, you know so I mean? it is like uh, regulated. Wow, it's you regulated in that up. sense. You invite can invite him up, him up right? And like two weeks ago, you had, you know, 21 Savage, Meek Mill, Metro Boomin in a room with like eight girls from Atlanta. And they're talking about men versus women. And you heard some of the most ignorant shit you ever heard, but also some of the most <laughs> hilarious shit you ever heard. Right. So like the, the entertainment value was through the roof. But outside of that, it's just a lot of just nonsense, you know, so it's they got to figure out a way to curate it better. But ultimately, they don't want to they don't want it to like spread wide open pause and like have it have everyone be able well, to well, like, well they do they do because you know the, the end game of all these apps is to unless you go to a subscription model you want to get as many users as possible so you could do an ipl right mm-hmm. but the minute they open it up the minute it's no longer beta then it's no longer exclusive and the minute it's no longer exclusive then it's just a fucking conference call or, right that or they anyone can, can join they can make it a, a paid thing like they yeah, get like, uh, like subscription passes yeah, because yeah. that's how like some of those dating apps have like stayed successful. Is like oh, the dating it. apps are fucking crazy, dude. The, Tinder is crazy. Boost used to be like three dollars. They're fucking seven now. Fucked up. <laughs> don't don't get me fucking started on these motherfuckers. They just introduced platinum, named after uh, Trump and Ice Cube's platinum plan. Um, Tinder platinum. <laughs> You have to get it. If you don't get it, you can't get any fucking uh, companionship, as they say Yo, in the industry. Rock, <laughs> rock. How, yeah. How are you? How so? You're you're on Tinder right now. You're like dating shorties on Tinder. How do you do that shit during the pandemic? What? How do you do that? I get what? in my fucking car and I go meet them. Yeah, but like, what? There's is no you, protocol. Is what he's uh, trying to say, Rock. I mean. I know what he's trying to say. What is it like, uh, yo, yeah. yo, like, yo, yeah. she, she, are you spraying them down with Lysol? Is what he's trying to say. Remember, you remember, think, you think, no, you think a little COVID is going to stop Rock? Uh, that's, what, that's what he wants to ask you, Rock. Yo, you, the game uh, procedure. I don't, I'm I don't saying, wait, 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 wait. Dates. I, I'm going to answer your question. Yeah. I know what you're asking me. I don't go on a lot of dates. I went out on, like, I go on one every 10 days or something like that, maybe. I was seeing someone for a little while, but it didn't really work out. But you go out. You get a coffee, wear the mask while you get your coffee, you go for a walk in a fucking park, you, you're talking to so your mask kind of down, but you're not like, you're walking side by side, it's not that big a deal. And like, you don't try to bang them right away, or you don't like try to make out or anything, you just like kind of feel it out and see if you like each other, and then you like keep doing that. And eventually, you know, at some point, humans have needs, Richard. <laughs> But no, you can't, you, you can't really do, there's a lot of stuff you can't do. Like there's nothing you can do. You, you go on a fucking walk, you get a coffee and you go on a walk. That's it. And it's fucked up now that it's winter too. But basically you just do a lot of texting and then maybe you're like, okay, like I can tolerate texting with you for like two weeks. I guess we should meet. It's a longer process though, right? To smash pretty much. Uh, yeah. I don't know. 
I don't, I don't feel, I'm in Seattle. I don't really fit in here exactly. So <laughs> where do you fit touch in? And go. <laughs> where do you fit in? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you not- what, I don't like Los Angeles, but I had a squad in a loyal, cool ass squad, down ass squad in Los Angeles. And, um, like a smash squad, <laughs> friends, whatever you want to call it. Right. Okay. <laughs> since I left, since I left LA, it's just been like, uh, like I'm like a, cowboy in the desert the you know, occasional meal looking for the oasis it's been a little rough i was just wondering because i was like you know in the 90s like everyone it was like aids was everywhere hiv was everywhere so motherfuckers would just look at me she's like yo she don't she don't look like she has aids they used to say that shit you know oh yeah, like in Virginia, in you Virginia, know guys, it's been it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, crazy. Well, sorry, Dad. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, saying? I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. But the fucking app. Uh, what I started off saying is the apps are crazy. The you you can't look. You can't go out, right? You can't go out right now. And even before you went out, people aren't really out to meet people and fuck. People are out to dance and have a good time with their girlfriends. The sexual energy of the fucking pre-internet nightlife is gone. It's not there like it used to be in most places. So now it's even worse. There's nowhere to go. So the apps, they've got you by the balls and you have to pay. And they're like raising the prices and making it harder and making Mm. you spend more money to get in front of people. And, it's, and to your point, Rock, actually, I feel like that's what might end up happening with Clubhouse. It's going to end up being like this kind of pseudo dating app because, oh, look, I, I can find out so much more about people. You know, I can hear them talk in depth about this, that, and the third, and I can really understand what Shorty's about versus just like, you know, a hundred character tweet or uh, or some Instagram photos. This bullshit, yo. That Clubhouse shit is bullshit. It's another gatekeeper type of thing. Oh, this is cool. I'm here. I'm exclusive. It's bullshit. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm with you on this one. I'm 100. percent It's lame. It's lame as fuck. You got DJs who are doing like cool things, though. They're they're kind of like running a radio show, if you will. Like, yo, they'll be on their Twitter. Like, yo, t- today noon, uh, join me on Clubhouse, and I'm playing this, that, and the third. And you can just go to their room, and it's just them DJing, right? But the issue is that as something like that becomes more popular, let's say it gets on a really big scale like Instagram Live or Twitch, then the record industry is going to come for that too, mm-hmm. you know, because that's essentially is uh, an illegal radio broadcast. Where are we at with that? Like, what's going on with all that stuff? Where have they cracked down? Where is it open? I think like, the only thing that's left is Twitch. And you could kind of stream live, but the rerun, all the music is uh, muted out. Yeah. I and thought they cracked down on Twitch. Has, has it kind of died down? Like, DJs doing all these live sets on... Well, they shut down face. They shut down Facebook Live. They shut down Instagram Live, YouTube Live. It's virtually impossible to get the copyright clearance. Um, and I think Twitch is the only thing that's left. And and I've put up some stuff on Instagram that actually Crooked has edited for me, and it's all like original production, original remixes. That's the only way shit's gonna fly. Like, you know, the minute something is like on Spotify or iTunes. And it's part of your sets. They're just going to take it down. I heard um, Bandcamp is launching a Bandcamp live, and yeah. I and I think Mixcloud has the live, but it's just not good. Like they, yeah. it's, it's not ready. Yeah. It's well, but the difference between Bandcamp, Mixcloud, and everything else is that they're not social media, right? Right. 
Mm. Like people yeah, are used to just hard. hanging out on Facebook or Twitter. And say, people don't just hang out on Bandcamp. Yeah. You go Bandcamp there, you get your a, music. Has and like you're a, out. Bandcamp has like a, an app. I don't know how many of you guys have the Bandcamp app on your phone, I but it, it. kind of does. It has a feed. You have followers. You can like look at other people's collections. So it, it kind of like has a social media vibe to it, but I just don't think that many people know about it. And it's probably Sorry, as interesting as Venmo. Why is Venmo social media? Like, why do I know that Jamie <laughs> paid D miles, you know, well, yeah, but, but, but I know, that's stupid. like eggplant emoji. <laughs> no, that's but, dumb. But the, but the Bandcamp app, I really like, <laughs> and I'm not like, I'm not shy about like lurking on someone. If they like, if they bought something I think is dope, then I don't yeah. mind lurking at their collection because there's so much you can discover on Bandcamp, you know, especially well, like bootlegs and things like that. So you can like look at someone's collection and, and if they have like similar tastes as you, you could discover music, you know? No, so not going to hold I you. Really that's like dope. That. That's dope. I'm not yeah. going to hold you. That's dope. But to at least point, like, like the thing, the thing is, like, if you're if you're not like a music head, like, why would you be on Bandcamp? You know, yeah, right? yeah like, exactly. Instagram right. Live, like, you know, your my mom is on Instagram, like, you right. know, like everybody can just stumble into a room and watch. Somebody. So nobody, yeah. So to, yeah. The, Insta, I mean, I feel like I've seen some live DJ sets still going on on Instagram Live. Yeah, but playing sure. devil's advocate, playing devil's advocate, we thought a lot of people weren't going to move over to Twitch, mm -hmm. and I know mad civilians who have Twitch accounts who know about DJ Get Live, you know, who know about uh, Road Podcast, people who don't actually, who are not a part of the DJ community or the music industry. Mm -hmm. So yes, but but Moma, I think Twitch is a is a bigger phenomenon because Twitch is basically like YouTube but live. It's not just music, like it's video games, it's TV shows doing like, 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 for example, like, um, uh, what, like the mask singer, like a random show on fucking ABC will have like an after show like thing on Twitch. Like everybody that's like doing regular shit is on Twitch doing their regular shit versus like Bandcamp is like super targeted towards music heads and people who want music. Twitch is targeted towards literally like, anybody like you can watch like the howard stern like post game show on twitch type shit you know what i mean like i don't know Facts. Facts. There's yeah, a lot twitch, also twitch is amazon too so yeah. they're putting money into it and fucking bezos dick dodged the question <laughs> congress <laughs> asked him about like the mu music rights on twitch or something like that he's just like oh i don't know i don't know about that it's like the fuck you don't know about that they're going to twitch. They're going to dick dodge it as long as they can just to get more and more people in. Mm -hmm. And they're going to push the boundary as long as they can and like try to hold off the music industry for as long as they can. Right. Until they can get some type of deal done or like whatever. So, and they're, they're, they're you know, Amazon throws money at shit because they can. Mm -hmm. What, what, what is the like a regular person's relationship with Bandcamp though? Because I've actually met some people that actually buy music on Bandcamp and shit. I just don't know what type of person does that shit. Bandcamp is is uh is exposing lots of underground music in in all different genres. Right. So I don't I don't think it would be one type of person because if you like log on to the main, I go on there every day. It's and crooked. If you it's people that don't live in fucking Las Vegas. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just not strippers. You know, it's like uh, girls in Ohio know? that want to know about like a cool band or like cool techno. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. You know, like right, they're yeah. in on something. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like a suburban kind of indie thing. Yeah, it's like an indie. It's well, almost like you could buy something, right? You could buy like people's albums. So the Bandcamp cuts out the the middleman. There's no like 
Like there's no digital distributor involved. Artists are just putting their stuff directly money? up. So Bandcamp, they, yeah. they take, take a, a small fee. A, take they a small take fee. fucking twenty percent, dude. They crush. Oh, yeah, they're making a fortune. I feel like it's almost like an indie, like an indie label, but it's not. It's like you know, and like you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people go on there because they don't want to hear the mainstream shit on like streaming platforms. Yeah, it's just a digital marketplace for independent music. A lot of it is not on the DSPs. Yeah, some of it is on the DSPs as well as Bandcamp. But let's just say you do more than DSPs, digital Uh, streaming providers, platforms, Spotify, Apple Music. Etc. So if you're a streaming person, then most likely you have no use for for Bandcamp, uh, even though they have a streaming app. But if you buy music for whatever reason, whether you're a DJ or whatever, then you have the option. This is the sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The the thing that's interesting and kind of annoying is if you download the Bandcamp artists app, you have that one, too. So you can look at your stats. Right. Yeah. So like. my like for example so I, i'll look at my stats from like one week and it'll be like eleven thousand plays and 23 sales so i think like you know the streaming app people are using it obviously to listen mm-hmm. and uh but that but they're still they're still not necessarily um solving the problem of, of people not valuing music as far as right, something right. that they want to buy. Yeah, because I can listen yeah. to your whole fucking song without buying for it. Buying exactly, it. exactly. I can just right. put it on the preview and play the whole thing. I don't have to As an it. artist, you have a choice to say something like, um, allow users to listen to a song all the way through twice, and then after that, they have to buy it. Yep. That's dope. Yep. How many, and they, not only where it's coming from, and not only the plays, but then they'll break down the plays. Like, this percentage of people listen to the whole song this percentage of people listen to half of it, and then this percentage of people just scroll through it real quick. So then you could be like, "All right, this percentage of people wasn't really feeling my my album, and these amount were, you know, it's cool." But like, yo, how many motherfuckers are actually making a living off of like on Bandcamp? Is this like impossible? It's damn near impossible, no? No. Yeah. People I mean, who release a lot of music consistently. Yeah. You know, they mm-hmm. can make they can make a couple racks. Two, three racks a month if you keep pumping out the music. You know what I mean? There's also become like a a new um, generation of kids who are, who are like, uh, there's one producer, for instance, Knowledge. This dude is a band camp monster. Like, he releases like just nonstop beats, beat tapes every week. Wow. And his main following, I would actually think, is on band camp. So I think he's probably making a really good amount of money off of that. Like he established himself on Bandcamp before any other platform. You know, you see what I'm saying? And then he put out some stuff on Stone's Throw because they found out about him through Bandcamp. Black Milk is on Bandcamp and he sells a lot of records. On yeah. There as well. And he's also, he's been doing, he's been making music for like 20 years now. Yeah. You 2000 dedicated fans to spend 50 bucks a year. You're making a hundred grand. Ellie, you just released an album, right? Yep. I love that shit. Yep. I love the... The video you put out and the beat Thank and the shit was like all New York. It was like old video footage. Was it like VHS uh, high A cam footage from like the eighties or nineties or whatever? Yeah, I was I was just like in I was sick, and uh, so I was just like I had COVID, so I just oh, was really? like I, yeah, I was just like laid up for like a week. It wasn't like bad. I had a real mild case, but I was just resting, trying to take care of myself. That's right. You said you didn't and, even uh, know where you got it from because you've been like super safe everywhere, right? Super safe, like ridiculous safe. 
Wow. Like when I hear MoMA talking about how he's flying here and there or whatever, like that, that like I've been like spending like um like two months trying to debate if I want to go visit my dad in Puerto Rico and I can't, I still can't like decide, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've been like extra crazy careful and I still got it. So who knows? No, but I will say international airports is actually some of the safest places. And no, I no, I agree like with you. Conspiracy no, flying is, and the, the, actually the statistics show that flying is really safe. Yeah, it's more just like the, contributing the cabin to the, air. To the I know. I just have like hangups about contributing to the human traffic, just being part of the whole like kind of shrugging off of what they're asking us to do. I don't know. And then also is like being like, I don't know, just whatever. I'm just like on the I'm on the really extreme side of caution is what I would say, you know. Mm-hmm. But then again, I still got it. So and now you can kind anyway, of but I was just going to tell you that when I was <laughs> sick, I was I was watching all these old YouTube videos because I was just bored. So I was watching all these YouTube videos of like old New York stuff. Yeah, and uh, and then I started just like making beats, sampling records because I was here like with nothing to do. So sampling records and kind of like making music to soundtrack that that stuff. That's, so that's dope. Anyway, yeah, that's fucking dope. I loved it, man. That, that all the footage just reminded me, man. Just like just growing up and shit in New York, and it was dope. Mm-hmm. And the music was yeah. matching it like perfectly. Kind of had like that little Thanks. '90s vibe it in it a little bit. It was it was dope, right? Man. Yeah, and I'm not like a super big like. Like I don't really like to like uh, rely on nostalgia, but yeah, for this one project, I was like, let's go with it. And it's available in your Bandcamp, right, uh, Ellie? Is yeah, it it's on my Bandcamp. It's not out yet. Like it's gonna be out, out on all the stuff. Why are you laughing, Rock? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just funny because no, we're just talking about Bandcamp. Promo. That's all. Oh yeah, no, it, yeah, it's out on Bandcamp, and it's gonna Why be out on all the other things later. What happened? Why are you worrying about what I'm doing? Maybe no, I'll no, I thought you were track. laughing at me. I thought you were laughing at me. <laughs> it's called uh, There Are Ghosts Everywhere in New York City, right? Yeah. Yep. Nice. Hey, yo, I, I want to ask y'all, did y'all get a chance to catch the, the Gucci Man versus Jeezy battle? I, I did. Oh, raise it. your hand if you saw it. <laughs> Fell asleep on most of it. Oh, <laughs> I didn't watch it, but, you know, if you're on Twitter or like if you watch in the, in your Instagram stories, you get a, a real-time play-by-play. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't actually yeah. watch yeah. it, but I got the play-by-play. I just Can, can I, I ask t- you guys a question? Yeah, go ahead. Because I really love Versus. Versus is like my favorite thing that happened this whole lockdown yeah. or whatever, COVID. But um, I missed that one because I was out. Do, can you watch them like anytime you want? Like yeah. watch the archive of the, yeah, of the Versus? Yeah, I, think I believe so. I think yeah. there's, there's a recap on Revolt TV on YouTube. If you want to watch it, they got like the most views so far on that one, right? Yeah, they beat Monica and Brandy, I think. They got like one point one point eight million. Yeah, is that Outcast Talk Talk Quest thing happening? They're saying that it's gonna happen. Let's talk about it. What? The next one is Ti Little Wayne. The next one is Ti and Little Wayne. Oh, really? Wow. Wow. Wait, yeah. there's gonna be an Outcast Talk Talk Quest one? Yeah, yeah, they're planning to do that one. Oh, oh wow, that's what they're claiming. <laughs> look, look at Ellie's face. <laughs> That does, it doesn't make any that's sense to me. What's that face? What's yeah. the face though? Is it, I don't know. It doesn't I don't make know. sense. I mean, it kind of does because they're, it, I don't know. It doesn't make sense if you're until fucking, you start you know, to think apples about to it, apples. Right? It doesn't, but in the zeitgeist, it does. You know what I'm saying? Three, three perfect capture. albums. Yeah. Three, like each group, mm-hmm. their first three albums are perfect. And then they kind of have some uh, albums, but with good yeah, songs but- on them. The, the young, the thing, young people. Song for song, it's a problem. Like, LOL. Nobody wants to hear this. Yeah, stuff. song yeah, for song, because like the hits that Outkast have are like so massive. That, right. Like, 
like in the comments that's on fair. when you're watching it live in the comments, yeah, the Outcast yeah. is gonna take it. Yeah, that's yeah, true. of course. Yeah, like what song does Tribe have that's gonna like? But you know what's interesting about Tribe? I think Tribe has gotten so much more popular as their music has aged. You know what I mean? Like, like I not necessarily with like young kids, but just in general, like I feel like they're looked at like, like I don't know how you guys feel like people my age who are here, but like. When Tribe first came out, it wasn't like a thing of like, oh, they're the best out of the native tongues. It wasn't just like a given. Nah. Jayla was. I don't know who said that. When Jungle Brothers first, you thought so right away? No, after the second album, I thought so. Yeah. Maybe after the second album. But what I mean was like when they first came out, I was like more like Jungle Brothers had the most club records. Yeah. And Dayla had the most creative albums, and Tribe was like kind of like. The younger brothers, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. But yeah. Now, like, I had better beats. I thought they had better beats, and they had, like, you know, for the most part, their shit was more complex. Their beat wise was more complex than the rest of those guys. So, like, right away, you were kind of like, all right, they're the best ones out of the native tongues. Right, right away, and um, to tell you the truth, when Q-Tip was on those Jungle Brothers songs on the early tip, I thought he was part of Jungle Brothers. So I thought automatically right. that he was better because you know he was you right, know right. featuring on those songs. I think I understand what Ellie is saying, though. When when Tribe first came out and we all fell in love with Tribe, they were just one of the best hip hop groups. But the benefit of hindsight, they're like the best hip hop group of all time. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we would have said that in the early 90s. We we're just like, yo, it's Tribe is killing it. You know, Wu-Tang is killing it. Public Enemy, you know, Eric B. Rakim, Boogie Down Productions. Brand new. With the hindsight yeah. of like 30, 40 years later, you're like, that was the best hip hop group of all time, in my opinion. I don't know. I'll the, tell you what. I was EPMD Tribe Quest the whole way, the whole way. EPMD Tribe Quest. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I didn't I, like. I was in love with them from the minute they came out too. I'm just saying I didn't at the time, and it might just be because they came last. It didn't seem like an obvious thing right away to me that they were gonna kind of end up being like the the most famous with the oh, most so selling Ellie, records. Ellie hates Tribe Called Quest. There's one thing we can like, take from this. <laughs> I feel like Tribe punctured the middle class, like white world, first, and in a not first, but in a bigger way than the other, the other, any other group from that era. Besides middle Wu-Tang. class white Ohio America, they well, did. Tribe yeah, just tribe, ended up having bigger records. Tribe so inevitably, that I happened. Think, right? Tribe was the I first. Think, I think Daylight did. Because yeah, they had me, Dayla, myself, and I, which was like on MTV regular rotation. Yeah, that, that was like Dayla you know. had a suburban sensibility that, like, white people gravitated towards, but it w- was not foreign enough for them to be like, "Oh my God, what's this?" Whereas Tribe is a little further away from suburbia. And it mystery, you say. It's what? Mystery, little mysterious, a little bit. Yeah, more? there's like when you're like a white suburban kid, there's like something about Dale that's like absolutely yes. Like these guys are black, but I share this sort of like sensibility and this kind of fucked up weird humor and the whole thing. It feels much closer. Tribe is much more. I think what you're like trying different. to say is that white people have an inner city fetishism. Yes, <laughs> and, and you tribe, don't have that with yes, with De La Soul. Tribe, tribe kind of was married a smoothness, but it's still like out there enough for white folks to be like, "Oh my god!" Like white people have always been tribe crazy, always been tribe crazy. Mm-hmm. In my experience, I mean the sports apparel, 
You know, but you say white people have always Scully's been shot crazy. <laughs> yes. Even first when the first, al- like the first album was very like new, a New York album. I don't really feel like uh, people caught like on to try after the first couple after like the first second album, album maybe. Yeah, midnight yeah. like by the time Midnight Marauders came around, white people were like tribe crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, also and like it was just like this is a this is a a group you have to like because of like whatever. There's also the, the, there's like three years in there where like it depends on your age and it, it's honestly like if you were 15, 14, 13. Definitely, well, definitely, definitely, yeah. Definitely. And for me, I was a little too young for people's instinctive travels, and even low end theory, I was like you know, twelve, you know. But then when Midnight Marauders came out, I was right in right prime adolescent impressionable. It was game over. And then you go well, back and you appreciate from there, but. Um, and De La Soul, like if you listen to like Balloon Mind State and Is Dead, those are almost like experimental. I mean, yeah, you kind of have to be that. a little bit more mature to really appreciate Balloon Mind State. Like I think, I, you know, for me at least, they're like really incredible, like works of <laughs> whatever. Like listening to jazz or listening Balloon, to something. Balloon, when Balloon Mind State came out, I remember feeling like. Most people, like the first two De La albums, everybody loved. I mean, I'm talking about like in New York. The first two albums, everyone loved them. You know, um, you heard the records on the, on, the, on the big shows and some of them in the clubs or whatever. But when the third came, album came out, I felt very aware that like a lot of other people weren't really checking for it. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it like the fan base went like kind of like a little that, bit, you know what I mean? Because yeah, when, when that album came out, Wu Tang came out that same year. Yeah, it was uh, it was like, like they, they didn't have a chance. And then Midnight Marauders too, which was and like Doggy so Style. Obvious. It was the year of Doggy yeah. Style and Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. Like Blue Mind State wasn't gonna gonna survive, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it was exactly. an amazing album, a really good album. Wu Tang. Like, I gotta that's when say, Prince Paul started being less involved, right? No, he, no, he was involved. It's the Stakes is High album that he wasn't involved. Stakes is High, yeah. Yeah, he dropped that. I gotta say, it was one of the weirdest things this year because I was just, I'm not a big like woo head, but I mean, I like it. It's fine. I just wouldn't listen to it. But I felt like in that versus, he fucking smoked Premiere. He definitely did. He definitely yeah, it was, fucking it was, did. It was amazing. He definitely did. And I was not prepared for that. I was like, oh my God, I don't even listen to Wu-Tang and he's Smoking this shit. It was crazy. So do you listen to Wu-Tang now? <laughs> I, after that, no, but I would. <laughs> but Goldie, Goldie, don't you think that Premier was holding back? Nah. He played everything he had. He didn't play everything. He played everything he had. It he depends who you are. Like, like, I'm like the kind of guy who's like, yo, when's he going to play the you know seventh song on the group home album? But he's not going right, to play that right. for yeah, verses. Yeah. You right, can't right. do that. You got to come with what that. He played everything. He Goldie's right. You gotta come with that. And you could see Premier. You could see Premier looking through his laptop, like, you know what I mean? And and oh, he got smoked, man. He got it was smoked. just an unexpected upset because one of the things that was so cool about it was I think Premier was like, well, I did records for Biggie, Nas, Jay, blah 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 blah. And Rizzo was like, yeah, I did records with my friends from Staten Island, and they're all amazing. <laughs> and and it was like, yeah. it was kind of like, damn. And and then it was like. The formula, the primo formula, which is yeah, the bad selection. The 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 the, the records that he was matching up against Rizzes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no like at one like, point, when, when remember when when uh, like, what are you doing? When he yeah. played the DOS effects one, I was like, oh. yeah, <laughs> like he played it right after. I think right after Rizza played Run. When Rizza played Run, because I had forgotten Run, that was like. But the thing is, like, I think 
I think for for Rizzo, like the songs that he has one for one versus Premiere, like Premiere never really had like the best songs of like a specific artist, except for Gangstar. And I've obviously like Group Home and Jeru, but those are like his. That's like they might as well be like Gangstar. But like Rizzo, no, but has, there's like, a lot of people that would disagree. Yeah, there's a lot of people that that would That's debatable. That's yeah. debatable. Because like Cause some people would say like. He has J. Rule's best song. He has Biggie's best song. No, arguably, that's what I said. Biggie's best aside, song. Aside from J. Rule, like, and, and Group Home and people that he, like, produced all the way through, like, he might have had Biggie's best song, but it's not Biggie's most popular song mm-hmm. or, or Jay-Z's most popular song or any like that versus, like, you're talking RZA, like, anybody from Wu's, like, most popular song is produced by RZA and, like, they are attached at the hip. So whenever you think of, like, whatever Ghostface's biggest song is, oh yeah, that's RZA. And whatever like Jizz's most important song, oh yeah, that's RZA. It's like all those things are RZA all the way through. That's why you sound like you're saying this. It just sounds like you're saying this, this, this. I know. I thought the selection one for one formatting was a little off for Premiere, but then also it made me realize like you kind we're kind of just so accustomed to Premiere records, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And every like three years I go back and listen to like Liquid Swords or something and it, I'm just like, holy shit, this is crazy. Like the way this record sounds, the yeah, way he creates yeah. like a whole I think the thing is like, is just so weird and weird stuff tends to, not always, but it tends to stand the test of time because it doesn't immediately put you in one moment in time. You know what I mean? Like a lot of those Rizzo beats could come out now and, and it would sound cool, but a lot of those Primo beats might not be able to come out right now. I, I think, think that might almost be. like the perfection of Primo's beats almost make him sound dated versus like I totally how, agree with you. Oh, or sterile a little bit. It gets like so yeah. choppy later. Yeah. Later like stuff. Primo I like Primo stuff from like Daily Operation mm-hmm. and like um yeah. Step in the Arena like the, and, and the heavy D album he did a lot of beats on Blue Funk like but that stuff wouldn't have worked on versus because it's too uh Obscure. the audience is too small People for don't it. Know it. Yeah. Yeah. Polished. But he was yeah. drop he was dropping a lot of singles, you know, and I felt like he should have just kind of went a little deep too. Like he should have he Ooh, primo. Yeah, he should have dropped some album cuts to me. You know what I'm saying? Like for did he did he play the uh, Jay Z the Evils? Did he play that? Yeah, he played. That. I'm not. I sure. think they should have did they should have did a situation where they just played the beats and not the lyrics. Mm. That would have been dope to me. That's when what they I do thought the they were gonna do. When they yeah. do the producer joints, I think they should just do the beats. And just don't have the songs, you know. Yeah, he still would have smoked them to me as well. I think I believe that too. I don't know. I really love. I really love. I really love uh, Premiere, and I think his catalog is probably like, like it's like it's it basically like formed the hip hop sound for like four years. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people no tried question, to no replicate his shit yeah. four or five years. But like, if some random like nineteen year old kid from like fucking Missouri, like created a weird ass SoundCloud that sounded just exactly like Riz's beats now. People are like, oh that's kind of cool. Like that's 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 weird and different and like cool. Versus like if someone did uh like just like remade Premiere's beats, they'd be like, this is what like hip hop sounds like in the nineties is like old and corny, you know? Like Riza has like some weird like some weird mystical shit about how he did yeah, it. Yeah. So you're, that, like, you're kind of yeah. penalizing Premiere for setting what the standard of quality hip hop sounds like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a little unfair. There was two things that happened in that battle for me, which was one was like, I was a little bit surprised at how I felt about some of the Primo beats after all this time. 
which was kind of like, oh, all right, you know, like I thought he, he, he was God to me in the, in the 90s, you know, and, and still is. But the other thing that happened to me was like, I, I went back to, to um, even like Capadonna's first album was crazy. Like there was just so much amazing music that, the, that those guys have made. And it, um, damn, you really went back just, and listened to the Capadonna. Dude, the first Capadonna album was really good. What is that? What is the Capadonna album called? There's so many good songs on it. And I, I made like this to that whole album. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's really good. And it's, it's just, it's one of those things. It's like he's only by himself on like two songs. So it's basically a Wu Tang album. Yeah. <clears throat> just like all those other solo albums that came out back then. No, it came out in 97. The first single was called 97 Mentality. Come on, guys. Forever came out. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the thing about Premier, though, I think, uh, the thing about Premier, though, that I think fucks him up is that his drums just sound so dated now. And when you listen to hip hop now that's relevant, there's almost no yeah. drums. It's all loops. That's why the resin that's sounds totally so good. Right. The resin sounds so good because it's, totally it's, right. it's these light ass yeah. drums and these heavy loops. These mag- like these hypnotic fucking loops that are relevant right now. Like you're hearing all like the street rappers rhyming on that shit. Oh and my it- god! Dare we say lo-fi? Yeah, are we lo-fi. gonna say the L word? <laughs> spooky, spooky sample. Like I don't even think like Alchemist has programmed a drum beat in like ten years now. It's just like loops. <laughs> that boom, that boom bap sound uh, is just played out. Yeah. It's just like yeah. that's. Nah, what I wouldn't say that. Man. I wouldn't say that. But he's using the same drums that he's been using. When he was doing in the nineties, yeah. for me, Primo, he still right? uses the, the same drums, the same pattern. So mm-hmm. it's like I've heard it. I've heard it. Also, like we were saying that about him, even in like the late nineties. You remember, yeah. like he would use those represent drums all the time. <laughs> and I remember even back then when people would just like talk about it. You know, like so when he did those records with the with the Buffalo guys, I was like, these guys don't sound as good now on Premier beats. I like them on their weird ass like homemade beats better. Their homemade beats. Yeah. He just sounds like for, for like ten years. For like ten years, every song that he made sounded like um, the Royce the Five Nine song that he did, <laughs> and it was just like, oh, I'm, I'm like remaking the song again and again and again, you know? Yeah. When he when he when he samples those violins, man, it, it's, how did this turn like, into the DJ Premier slander podcast? <laughs> no, why you shitting on Premier like that? This down, bro. You're gonna live down yeah. the Joe Mass, but you're not gonna live down the <laughs> DJ Premier slander podcast. No, no, we gotta stop. We gotta stop. Yeah, like and Raul hasn't even said a word, <laughs> and Premier's like his god. Chill. Listen, let the record show where I stand. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting well, if they do. Uh, if they I do never tribe. met Rizza. Yo, if you'll have the same a Madonna song that's fucking crazy. Wait, say it again, Ra- Raul. Premier Madonna song. Really? Yeah, it's a Ma- he produced a Madonna song that never, never came out. I have it. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, but nothing like that Premier Limp Biscuit song. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that the one with Red Man? Method Man. Oh, Method, Method Man. Oh, Method Man. What? Well, whatever. What's it called? All in together now. And together now. Yeah. Crooked. I want my I was... likeness removed from this entire podcast. Right? <laughs> just, just black out like my Pre- square on YouTube. I feel like Premier <laughs> could have easily done a song with like Papa Roach, like if if he just had the chance, you know, like like some new metal band, like for sure. That's the difference in careers, right there. Well, Premier did the song with Christina Aguilera. Yeah. <laughs> now he did that song a whole album. That's not a great song. <laughs> I didn't like that song. I, know, I thought it was yeah. great. I mean, when it came out, I thought it was great. Oh, I liked it. Like the Miguel one that he did? I never liked it. Janet Jackson. I never heard that. Miguel. You don't remember the yeah. premiere and Slipknot like, song? It's it's. <laughs> 
It's so hard because we like we we like really respect and we love Premiere. It's just like such a long career, right? It's like after like thirty years, just like kind of like critiquing anyone's career. It's like it's it's a little rough, but yeah, Mo, you're right that he also got kind of belligerent. He got belligerent and said like, "This is how it's done, and this is how it's supposed to be done," and refused to change with the times. It's like very you see clips of him like yelling at people about stuff it's just like really i don't know man people like 808s what do you want <laughs> really i didn't see that shit was it was it like an interview or he just went on a rant I mean, that was like I a little like, that was like a brief moment in time like when things were really shifting and he would when yeah, he would dj he sets he would really kind of yell at people for a little while this is every it's genre like me DJing you, the get, addition. You, you get like a 10-year run of that where you can change the whole game and change the sound but like we're like it's like we're talking about james brown records from like 1979 or something we're like oh it's lost a little bit of the yeah thing you know <laughs> song for song <laughs> but i mean yeah we can stop slandering from here now <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I making me real uncomfortable. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> RZA's songs really, really held up, and, and there was a gap there. And probably, I think it's because honestly, because like I was saying before, I don't listen to RZA as regularly. Yeah. So like, it's like once a year, once every two years, I'll go back and revisit those albums. So it's like a rediscovering them every time a little bit. You know, it's insane. That's it, probably why. It's insane how good those some of those albums are. Like. The like the Raekwon only built for Cuban links, the Ghostface uh, with Iron Man, whatever that's that all of those are fucking genius albums, man. Method Man album. I I think when they did the verses, the the, the lineup, when they was going song for song, it was like the matchups just was bad. And they just like you can't put Royce Five Nine Boom against Bring the Pain. It's like that song is so much bigger than Royce is, even though Royce's record is dope. It just was a bad matchup. So he lost a lot of rounds like that. I think Uh, also it's like when that Royce record came out, it was like, you know, for for the kind of record it was massive. And everybody thought that was like the best beat they ever heard. And and I think, uh, you know, it's just it's been 20 years now. So it's like you react a little bit differently than when it when it first came out. And it's, it's that's the thing about music is like the way it ages. Sometimes it's it's unpredictable, you know. A song that when it first came out, you thought was the greatest thing you ever heard. 20 years later, you're not sure, you know? People's giving them credit for records that he didn't even do. It's like, yo, they was like, play Annie up. I know, the M.O.P. one. I know, I know. He didn't even do the record. I know, I know. Yo, but speaking of verses. That was embarrassing. um, Do you guys like this new format where the two artists are in the same studio? I mean, granted, you're going to get a higher, like, production. But what I really liked about Versus is that it felt like these artists, they were trapped in, in, in the lockdown, yeah. just like we were. It was were. intimate and personable, and it made you feel like you were on the same level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even yeah, even when was... like their Wi-Fi was like slow or whatever, except for Food Teddy <laughs> Island. It was an aberration, you know? But it just, I yeah. don't know. I just feel like I'm, I'm just watching a TV show right now, and I could care less the, the best To, be to me, oh. the best one was Teddy Riley and Babyface. That was dope. Bounty Killer. Bounty Killer. Bounty Killer. Yeah, that was good, too. And the Bounty worst one was Alicia Keys and, and John Legend. That was just <laughs> I didn't even watch that one. one. <laughs> that was so boring. The Barry and Amy one, that was the first one, I think, when they were both in the same Yeah, 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 yeah. That one was fire. It worked really well for them. Oh, yeah. It worked really well for them, and I think yeah. that after that they were like, "This is how we should do it." But it, it's different. It was just worked for them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, when the cops pulled, basically for them. Cops rolled up. 
When the cops rolled up on them, it was crazy. County was ready to go, and Beanie Man's like the responsible one. He's like, "Come on, the whole world's watching." If you're yeah, come and be that guy. The so. police has been gone. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. The dope it, shit. It the, actually, the dope shit about the baby face of Teddy Riley was baby face just like sneak dissing this motherfucker like the whole time. Shade. It was, it was sudden up. Yeah. Sudden amazing. Just sudden it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> and then Teddy Riley just you, losing his shit like at little things like yelling at. His assistance and shit, like, I thought that was the best, man. Just seeing yeah. Babyface so calm and unbothered and just like... The Except sunglasses then, then at one point, he had, to, he had to ask him. The best part was when Babyface got humble and he just had to ask him, what was it like working with Michael? Because that's the thing. Chetty mm. Riley's Wi-Fi was messed up. He was acting wild. But at the end of the day, he got to work with Michael Jackson. Right, right. And that was the one thing Babyface couldn't, couldn't really, right. you know, mess mm-hmm. with. Can I ask everyone a question? Yeah. Have you guys, have any of you guys gotten hit up to DJ New Year's? Mm. No, no. no, not yet. Not yet. Nothing. Well, we got I have. I have. I don't expect to either. But. Like my yeah, I got hit up. I turned it down. I was just like, and it's like one of my favorite, absolute favorite places to play too. Yeah, it's not in, in it's in Tulum. No, it's not in America. Yeah. Well, it's in Tulum, so it's it's uh. Oh, yeah, I know a guy who's been there, like not Tulum, um, but like Mexico in general, and he's just been like, I don't know, people just like are living their lives here, like yeah, I don't know what the COVID um, situation. Yeah, wait, who said why did you turn it down? I did. You? Oh, um, because the um, the cases are skyrocketing out there, and oh, I don't really? want to contribute, like, especially in like there's like a lot of tourism. A lot of people are traveling to oh, Mexico God, to like man. just like go on vacation. You know, I don't know. I just, yeah, I've seen it on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I don't want to contribute to that. I don't want to be like a part of a super spreader event. You know, I mean, it's just, and the place that I'm playing at, they, they were like, it's going to be 50% capacity, but it's a huge place. So even 50% capacity is a lot of people and they're going to dance and they're going to crowd around. And I don't know. I just didn't want to have Ellie, anything to do are, with that. Ellie, so. are you at, can you still spread COVID? Can you still like catch it and shed it <laughs> if you, you know what You've I mean? had it already? Yeah. I mean, I, I have the antibodies. I'm the only person here that got it. I honestly think I got it in March, but I didn't get tested yeah. in like July, so I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the antibody. I mean, they're, they're like, I think they just published a new uh, study that said the antibodies can last maybe uh, up to even maybe up to 10 years. Really? Yeah, 17. But, but, only, but only a few months before that, they were saying three months. Wow. But you might be I don't good. Know. Well, I mean, you might not be contributing. Other than than the visual of you traveling and and that yeah and that so there's the other that's the other thing threat you know yeah but it's it's more about like just the social contract of everybody doing their part to like try to yeah. even though so many people aren't doing their part and then there's also like the the the, the reputation you know like a lot of in the in the house and techno scene a lot of DJs have been getting blasted for uh, for traveling and for DJing yeah you know and. Uh, I you know, I got to think oh, about that. Oh, they're vicious, boy. Them house just like no motherfuckers on Twitter are vicious. Just real quick, though. Eddie, just He's not, you're not being sarcastic. No, they, oh, no. the house is I know. No it's hard to tell vicious. sometimes with you. Yeah, they are. They are. So anyway, but yeah. I just, techno, I kind of just like. Techno Twitter, forget it. That's like, <laughs> you know, you just throw all your records out. And you had to deal with those people. They're fucking crazy. So real I got hit up. I got hit like, up to yeah. do South Africa. And, uh. Ooh. I think I'm going to do it, uh, but only because they've been responsible over there to a certain extent. You know, when when COVID hit, they locked down the country for like four and a half months. I was there for about three and a half months of the lockdown. You know, everybody was wearing masks. 
Everybody was social distancing. Everyone was like uh, sanitizing. No questions asked. No crazy like conspiracy theorists. Like everybody just got lock and step with all of society. And yeah, they still got cases, right? They got maybe like about 1,500 a day right now. But where are we at? 200,000, right? Mm. And, and our population is not like 100 times right. theirs. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm yeah. going to do it also because there's been a narrative that, you know, the Western world is so civilized, this, that, and the third, and, you know, Africa and all these other, like, developing countries is like a bunch of savages. But if you look at how uh, the United States and Western Europe, specifically the UK, have dealt with COVID, yeah. it's been a dumpster fire, right? Yeah, it's because, not a secret anymore what kind of people yeah, are, are, you know, dealing with. Because these societies are so... Um, they're so privileged, they can't deal with the slightest inconvenience, you know? Yep. Like, yo, you can't outdoor dine or you can't indoor dine or you can't dance at a party. These motherfuckers is just losing their shit. And you look at a continent like Africa, places like Senegal that are averaging 30 or 40 cases a day. You know what I'm saying? They're actually the blueprint for how you should deal with COVID. So me going back to the continent to DJ there is to kind of like, you know, just because a country is developed doesn't mean it's civilized. And that's when I'm talking about the United States and the UK, they're developed countries full of savage motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? And we, we have to rewrite that narrative. And I want to shine a light on the way South Africa dealt with, with this, the way Rwanda, they're trying to book me in Rwanda, the way they dealt with it. Rwanda shut down the country at case number two. They had two cases. They shut down the country for like three months. COVID is gone. Um, same thing, I think, with Kenya. They're averaging, you know, very few cases per day. So that's kind of what I'm doing personally. It's like, yo, look to the continent, you know, look to a, a group of people who kind of came together and, and agreed on how we tackle this pandemic versus yeah. Yeah. fucking madness that we live in here. I was going to ask you, did they, in South Africa, did they do like any type of stimulus or anything? Did they give people money or they just, they just said like, just do it, just do it. Nah, motherfuckers was broke. Bro, they even banned the sale of alcohol. People are going crazy. Wow. Because wow. their president said, if we ban an alcohol, with, with alcohol, you guys are going to have house parties. You're going to be fucking, you're going to be dancing, you're going to be drunk driving, you're going to be making bad decisions. They banned alcohol. And, you know, you had your little bootlegs. You had, you know, you, you, you were able to go purchase alcohol at specific bootlegs. It felt very much like the prohibition, which was kind of cool in a certain way. But by and large, they banned alcohol. And for, for the vast majority, they banned the sale of cigarettes because they said this is a pulmonary disease pandemic. So the first thing we're going to do, we're going to ban the sale of cigarettes. Wow. And out here, people would have been like, no way. It's my civil rights, yeah. my liberties, my no Second way. Amendment, yada, yada, yada. It, you know, they would have rushed the governor's mansion with like automatic weapons. Over there, they were like, all right, fuck it. Well, you know, we'll figure it out. And it was hard. It was hard for a lot of people. But you could tell seven, eight months later, you could see the result and you could compare it to here. You really don't read about this at all. Not at all. No. It's amazing. Will what you did do you it? say, Eddie? I said, we're get, we're going to be booking a lot of stuff for New Year's. We, you know, I had to send several of the places and, and brands that I work with, like uh, lists of available DJs. Some of the stuff we're going to do is streaming with MGM, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but Eddie, uh, Eddie, can you explain that shit? You've been like streaming into lounges and shit right yeah. now. Yeah, they're, they're the fucking best gigs in Vegas right now, man. We were streaming every Friday and Saturday from my office. 
have a nice fucking setup and um, we stream to a couple of lounges. One is Lily Lounge at Bellagio. One is Alibi Lounge at Aria. DJs are getting, DJs are able to make better money streaming from my office than if they were to show up to a gig pre-COVID time. Um, it's a simulcast, you know, nice graphics. What, what we, when we first started it, I had a QR code set up that we put inserts into the, at every table. So guests being that there's no, like, you can't like mingle with other tables. You can't really cross pollinate. And really it's not, it's not the same social environment. We wanted to try and engage the audience as best as we could. So I set up QR codes where they would scan it and it would bounce requests. And I, and I hate requests. I made an exception for this shit. You could send requests or shout outs right to the DJ via this QR code. And then when they, when the guests would hear their shout outs or their songs call, being played, it blew, it blew their minds. And, you know, so what we lack in the ability to dance and meet people when you go out, you got to kind of hang with whoever you showed up with. It was just like a cool other layer, um, you know, to keep people engaged, I guess. And yeah, so we've been doing that for a while. I got a, I, I got a question following up from, uh, from Eddie, you know, you were explaining about streaming into the clubs and shit, right? How come, like, you know, Goldie, Ellie, you guys are, like, totally not into streaming. Even, like, Ross, you're not into it. Does it? None of y'all motherfuckers are into it. For me, it's more I'm, like, a more people person, want to be out in the crowd. And I think that the crowd is going to be so different. You know, as far as, like, the guys that are, like, in Vegas, we've had, like, it's like crooked, never. I can speak for all of us. Guys coming from a, a, a really substance-driven background in music and then having to come to Vegas and really have to having to follow these trends and really DJing, at least, and I can speak for myself, has become work to the point where if you want to try and do something different, you're looking over your shoulder for the first suit to come and tell you, no, uh, you need to play Calvin Harris, do this or do that. The direction that we we're constantly faced with having to take and and compromising kind of our mu musical identity, like the streams to be able to actually play some shit that you just connect to. Like Ellie and Goldfinger, like you guys have always really prided yourself. You guys have a sound, you have an identity and stuff. Not that, not that us that are playing in Vegas don't, but I just feel like we've had to spend years compromising, like, like bending our kind of, guidelines and our boundaries musically and say like i would never even buy this fucking record but i have to so so when you've been when you've been broken by the bottle service system of misery it's not that hard to shovel an extra couple shovels of shit basically <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that two more shovels of the garbage I'm not saying that i just think that the vibe like even if i was doing like a party like everyday people with moma I think that even his crowd will be different post COVID. I think that it's going to be a different vibe for me. For me personally, I I have a hard time. So like when I first started DJing, it was kind of funny. But like when I when I first started like DJing in like 2008 or seven, like whatever, there's actually places where you could stream yourself DJing. And you could stream like whatever, just a bunch. You could just stream shit. And I remember I used to go on there and just like stream myself playing a bunch of like obscure rap records. And I was into it because my idea of DJing was like, this is what I'm going to do for my whole life. Like, I'm going to just like play obscure rap records. And then I actually got into DJing 
And I got like so addicted to like being in clubs and like watching people dance and like feeding off of their energy and like just kind of like seeing how they react to the songs I play and all that kind of stuff. You kind of go on, on Instagram live and you play a song and you, people are like talking in the comment section and it's like distracting and you're staring at yourself playing really. And it's just, there, there's too much, like there's just too much going on th for me and the way that I DJ and the way how, like how I interact with people in the club versus like how I would interact with people on Instagram is like, so not how I would interact usually with people in the club mm -hmm. that I, I just can't do it. I honestly like look at it. And like when I did it a f couple of times, I was watching myself and I hated myself, like actual hatred for myself <laughs> that I was like, I, I can't do this. Like this is too awkward for me personally, like how I am as a human. And it's not to say like that every, that's how everybody should be, but that's why I don't do it personally for me because like I, I just feel too awkward and uncomfortable mm -hmm. and I can't connect with anybody in it, like watching that. It makes me feel weird. You know, if I wanted, if I wanted to be on fucking TV, I'd have stayed in Los Angeles and try to be on TV. I don't want to be on fucking TV. It's a, it's a TV job. Four colors. Zach's not DJ. He's a fucking TV show host. No disrespect. You were a good DJ. Now you're a interesting TV host. Like, cool. I don't want to fucking be on TV. So why would I be on TV? So many, you kind of have to want to be a TV show. I, I agree with what everybody said. No, that, one time I, <laughs> one time I saw it work. Ellie, you did a thing with I think House of Yes, where it was like a a Zoom call. I yeah. Think. Um. And, what, for me, it was like when uh when the first when lockdown first happened. Um. Me and my family, we left. We went to the um to the Rockaways, and um I didn't even have DJ equipment or anything. So. And that and I wouldn't I wouldn't have never have planned to do any like live stream thing because I'm like. I'm like Adrian, like exactly the same. Like, I, I, don't, I don't like looking at myself. I never wanted to be a DJ for attention. I wanted to be a DJ because I wanted to be in the back, like controlling the environment and like feeding off of human beings and their energy and stuff. So, but then I started to get like, then I wasn't making, just like all of us, not making any money. And I got some, some offers that paid. So like I, I set up, like I, I got a, a controller <clears throat> and I set it all up or whatever. And so I did a few things that were Zoom parties. And it was like, um, I told them, I was like, don't put me on the screen. Like maybe like on the top, they would have like the row on the top of uh, people and then a big person in the, in the um, center. So I was like, if you want to have me, people to be able to see me, just put me as one of those little people on the top and then spotlight all the people listening and dancing on the main screen. Right. So I did that for, um, for a few people and uh, it was super fun. And it was bec especially because it was the beginning. For me, for me, nightlife disappearing was, has been a huge blow, like mental health wise, like just like, it's, it's my only, you know, thing that I'm good at and, and like, and I love it. You know, like I haven't, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I used to go to clubs and I was like in my twenties, it was wild. And then I grew up like, no, I'm like, I'm a lifer, you know? So mm -hmm. for me, I felt kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm like doing this again and it's cool and I can see people dancing and it was cool. But then after like the fourth one, I was like, man, this shit sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It just yeah. got old, yeah. mad all quick. Us, it was DJing for all of us before we ever started gigging out. I mean, I mean, I think it's safe to say pretty much everybody on here went through the bedroom phase. No crowds, just raw passion. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I was like, I'm, I didn't miss this. Like I, I hadn't practiced <laughs> at home and yeah. like, 
20 yeah. years, you know? Yeah. The and, thing about bedroom DJing too, is that like the whole point is that no one sees you doing it because you're just yeah. practicing yeah. and yeah. like doing what you want. But I watched, I think the yeah. first one of those Zoom House of Yes and it was like really good. And it, it yeah. well, it was like, there was probably 75 people in there and they all had their cameras set up in their little New York apartments, you know? Yeah. And so people were just yeah. like jamming and it felt, yeah. but then after like, you know, 40 minutes i'm like <laughs> yeah all right i'm, I'm yeah. my high my buzz is gone my depression like if i was in the club in. if i was in the club and i started at 10 o'clock at night and it was 5 a.m and they were like all right ellie we're gonna do lights out i'd be like damn i have like i have like another hour in me but yeah. when i was doing that thing i texted them and i was like you guys mind if i stop can you switch over right. to something right. like i was ready to get out of there you know what i mean right. yeah, yeah. It was, it was, that's bad. the same so, thing with me. Like, I, I, saw I got excited. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Goldfinger. I was going to say that I saw your your stuff and from you, DJ, from the crib. It was amazing to me. I saw, um, you know, these guys, the road guys, they was DJing. Um, MoMA had a couple of clips here and there. And it was really interesting to me that I didn't have any hunger to DJ at all. I felt yeah. good watching you guys DJing, mm -hmm. but I had no real. There was no fire for me to DJ at all. Now, doing other stuff creatively, it worked, like making beats and stuff like that. But as far as DJing and having that type of connection and back and forth, not at all. Not in the least bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. I feel you. And I, didn't, I almost didn't, I didn't have the same dilemma as Ellie because Ellie actually got offered paid gigs to stream. I didn't get offered paid not gigs. Not too to many, any, just a few. But anybody that hit me up to stream was on some like, yo, let's do it on the strength or whatever. And I was like, nah, later for that. I mean, I would yeah. much rather do nothing than stream. <laughs> but now, if you offer me like $500 or $1,000, fuck it. I'll figure a DJ setup. But the, the thing that I did get offered was sets for virtual festivals. You know what I mean? And that was kind of like, that was different. They're like, yo, we need 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour. And I was like, well, instead of me just doing a set that's a, essentially a pre-recorded live stream, let me try to create something that I want to keep for myself. And while I was in Africa, I really got into I YouTube. Want to I don't even want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bring up the major laser where I have the Indian Ocean as a backdrop. And I don't know. Yeah, come on, that's like you have like your thing. fire escape as a backdrop. Yeah, I never got. I never got played that hard in my life. Ellie's camera setup would be so crazy. It would be like half a chair. <laughs> You can kind of see the CDJs, like sort of, and he'd just be there, like, like looking all sad. And I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, why do I have yeah, to? What so happened bad. that all of a sudden I have to worry about what I look like when I'm DJing? Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and for you, me, that's how I was able to kind of like not feel self conscious. If because I told the homies, I want a couple of camera angles, I want a drone, I want to showcase the island, I want to showcase the Pacific, I mean, uh, the Indian Ocean, drone. and take. And take the focus away from me because <laughs> I would have been self-conscious in, in my room and I would have hated it just like everyone else. But also I had the opportunity to get into like editing videos and understanding how it works. Mm -hmm. Me and Crooked, we did a lot of that together. And after I got paid for those festival sets, then I waved them up on my YouTube as kind of like a finished piece of content you yeah. know what i'm saying like a highly right. produced piece of content and you got people on youtube my youtube is like nascent you know what i'm saying i only got like i don't know 500 600 followers or whatever but there's a couple thousand views and people are commenting and people are discovering me on youtube through the visuals people outside of new york city you know what i'm saying or outside of miami or la so i'm glad i did those it was a lot of work i think i did three or four crooked we did, we did four right yeah 
We did four. Yeah. Well, you you did, we four. did four. I just uh, yeah, I, I just edited them. But you, can, can I yeah. say from from an outside point of view on what you did and how it worked for you is that I feel like all of us and it's a generational thing on how motherfuckers approach DJing in general. I feel like all of us were introverts, and when we went to parties, we weren't we didn't want to be the dancers. We didn't have like that outgoing personality to like talk to people we were like yo the dj that's dope they can actually impact the room like but kind of be hidden away and i feel like that's a lot of us well probably maybe most of us we're like yo i want to be a dj because i love music and i could impact the room without being like the center of attention but i feel like you know and this new generation is totally different they're approaching djing by being the center of attention and being like oh maybe i'll dj you know what I'm saying? So they, they already have this. They're, they're not introverts. They're like, they're like, they're performers, and they're like, let me DJ now. Their attention is the catalyst to get them right. Into the, uh, and I, I couldn't. I yeah. like to be the center of attention, but I couldn't be the center of attention without getting in trouble. This is sort of a <laughs> theme for me. And um, DJing was a way to be the center of attention, and I didn't get in trouble. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I mean, I guess get in trouble, the vast but. majority of our early gigs, the DJ booth was up a ship's ladder, right? Right. Like you kind of had to literally climb a ladder. You'd be tucked in an yeah. alcove, but, and I mean, like nobody knew where you were. But mo- wild, the original DJ booth was in the corner next to a fucking juice bar in a dark fucking corner, and you'd have Sasha or Jr. up on the, up in the top right. of the um or, or Junior booth up in the top, you know, whatever. And then they, right. they in the front and center, and then I'll say this: this whole thing has been like speeding up the technological misery of everything in the work from home and uh, na- and like places like Uber Eats and all this stuff. Like er- everything tech has boomed during this whole thing. Fucking Amazon, people that were big companies that were able to sort of like transition to getting food to people through tech, through apps and through this and that. And whatever was happening with DJing before this has just been fucking like turbo blasted. Now, someone like Ellie, who has a career making music and, and like creating sort of fans one by one, he's going to be fine through this thing. But for the rest, you know, sort of like a lot of us, you know, myself included, I was just a working a gig. You know, when we come back, what's it going to pay? Do you know what I mean? And how fucking hard is it going to be to get money? And I think the like decline of DJing turning into this sort of really brand driven thing that has kind of nothing to do with creating the magic of, you know, putting the right two, three, four or five records together and making something really special happen. It's just like, it turbocharged the magic out of this thing. And I feel like Goldfinger, I don't want to fucking do it. Like if it comes back and it seems like it might be fun, like maybe, I don't know. I'll I'll say this. I think what the pandemic did for me is that it finally made me feel my age. Right. I feel like for the past 15 years, I was stuck at 28. Everything I did, I did it with the energy of a 28 year old. I traveled like a 28 year old. I got up early. I drank. I partied. I went to sleep late. I caught flights. And now, yo, the thought of doing anything more than like going to the fucking supermarket during the day and and I'm overwhelmed. You know what I'm saying? Just the concept of having a gig in New York on Friday and then Miami on Saturday, and then catching the 6 a.m. so I can get to L.A. and do a day party on Sunday, and then be back in New York for LeBain on Wednesday. Just that thought is just overwhelming to me. And Sounds that, amazing I think, to me. I think for me, 
going to be the biggest difference is like, I might want to get back. I might going to want to get back on the hamster wheel because I was a slave to the rhythm and I feel like I'm no longer a slave to rhythm. Like I'm just no. chilling. Life you know under I mean? capitalism sucks. Yo, but Mo. I'm not, sure I'm not sure it's about the capitalism more so than the vibe of what you're going to get from the people. Like people have been forever changed by this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what's the vibe going to be like? What is like, so you, you know, you used to be able to go into a club and feel the room and know where people are at mentally with, with certain records you play. What the fuck is the room going to feel like if you go in post-COVID? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think Cooker, it, it would Cooker be. We're talking about it too, man. Like, people are just so happy to be out. Like, in the few times I have gone out in Vegas, it's like a refreshing thing that where you can really just play freely and people just genuinely are happy to be out of the fucking house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yo, like well, I'm think, with you. I think their standards think are so low. There's I think that I think that what's gonna happen is like the first few I mean, all right, like the vaccine is here, people are probably gonna get it. Probably at some point like, you know, March, April, May of next year, like people will probably be back towards like the full flow of shit. And the first month of like us being out is gonna be insane. Like there's gonna be a party every day. People are gonna be going crazy, and then it's gonna be kind of like back to normal. And this like notion. I mean, specifically for like you know the refreshing factor of it. It's gonna be there for like a month, two months, three months even. But after that, it's just gonna go back to normal. And I think what we all have kind of realized is as DJs, like the last few years, if you don't have like your, your niche kind of like, not even niche, but if you don't have like your thing that people come check you for, like, like for example, for the live streams, people that were successful at the live streams were people who were like, yo, this is the dude that like does this specific thing really well. Let's go check him because he's offering us like a perspective that like we can only get from him or her. Right. And, and that's why I think for some of us is like club DJs that are really known for like a specific thing. It's just like we're known for like making the party feel good. Like that's going to be that was kind of whack for the live stream. But then my question is, after like a po like a post COVID world in the club world, like who who's going to go like want to go see that anymore or pay a lot of money to go see that anymore? Are we just going to go and enter like the realm? Are we going to start like cherishing like sort of like what Ellie does more, which is like you go listen to like this kind of house music and like tech music because like this is kind of like worth paying for or are you still going to go and spend all your money like listening to like, you know, a fucking Calvin Harris song or whatever. Like I don't know what the vibe is going to be and I don't know if there's going to be as much room for like a regular club experience after COVID, you know? Like well, I don't you, know if You're giving too much credit to the... <laughs> clientele the clubs we play are going to be the same people it'll be the same, same. Shit. i think the bigger think question is how many clubs though. are going to be able to survive mm -hmm. yeah That's what I'm i mean you know? gonna be i've left. lost half the clubs i used to do regularly at least like just off the yeah. map so something that's what i'm nervous that about i'm nervous about like you like what andy said about me be still being like being fine like, I don't know if all the clubs that that pay me are closed, then I'm, I'm not going to be fine, even yeah. if I'm yeah, but still, you're, like, you're making records. Your demographic is driven by the desire to listen to the actual music that you're providing them. Our, like, the club, quote-unquote, club world demographic is just driven by, like, let's get fucked up on a weekend yeah. or whatever night. And honestly, 
we had already all seen the transition from like people being able to do that at the club or also being able to just go to a bar with their homies, like where there's like some DJ in the corner playing all the top 40 hits, like all that shit had already started getting watered down. to like other experiences other than the club experience experience. So when like someone wants to go dance, they could literally go do that at like the Finnegan's or whatever, you know, like of whatever type, like, you know, Irish pub that's like down the street. And when you're going to want to like go to the club, you're going to want to go for some shit that like you really want to go to because that experience is kind of more of a hassle than like the open format world, I guess. So it's like, to me, I, I, I genuinely wonder like what people are going to go looking for once shit is open, because really, if anything, this has taught us that like we, people have been overpaying for a club experience for like a really long time. And that was already slowing down before covid and now that people don't have bread anymore like they're really gonna be like am i gonna go spend bread like 18 dollars for like a whatever a tequila shot at the club yeah. or am i just gonna go to like you know o'malley's and like i don't know i don't know why i'm fixated on the irish <laughs> club flanagan's is close yo i love Flanagan's listen it's, it's gonna club. be hard um it's gonna be yeah. hard to predict how people behave but if just from a technical standpoint, I think first things first, people are going to gravitate towards outdoor events, whether it's day parties yeah. or like small festivals, because uh, I think psychologically, this was going to feel safest to them. It may not be safer. You know what I mean? It may be there may be a higher rate of infection than a club with air conditioning. I don't know. I, that's recycling the air 10 times in 15 minutes. I have no clue. But I think psychologically, day one, people are going to gravitate to outdoor events. What, so. What's happening in Vegas is that the local restaurants are becoming the it scenes. So like these restaurants, these local restaurants are hiring DJs. And Eddie, you've been kind of handling some of these spots. These restaurants yeah. in Vegas are, are pulling in a local scene. But since these nightclubs, these big nightclubs on a strip are closed, the, the, like the waitresses, the cocktail waitresses and the staff – they're not working on a strip, so they got this like, this like next level of like staff working in these little local bars, and their level of soliciting customers for bottles and all of this shit. It's like these these restaurants are becoming like the new spots, and like, like that kind of sounds amazing, right? Right? Yeah. So so what so what's happening this is brutal. So what's happening is these restaurants right <laughs> are becoming the new spots. They're getting packed. They're starting to do like they were. They were originally open for like night only dinner. Now they're opening for brunch, and now they're making so much money. They're like expanding. They're like setting up oh another location. God. So like yeah. all of you these got like waitresses, waitresses that would probably yeah. have been working at the Wind and like Excess are now doing like these oh local hookah lounges. Yeah, and they're popping. Yeah, but they're popping now because crazy. they're bringing this different clientele to the restaurants, and that's that's what's happening in Vegas. Is that the local scene? That was really not really existent before is starting to blow up now, and we're in Miami. Local scene, there's no other option. People yeah. want to go out; they're going to it, wherever they can go. Yeah. So, and and the waitresses Miami, are going to make money however they can. Exactly. So, every, every once things re- begin to reopen, I don't think that's going to be the problem anymore. The problem is like, have you listened to the radio in the last like six months? Like, no, but I, I think people are just so. It's like a, it's a it's everything is a black hole right now there's no, like but a void i think the the music like the music is like pretty much almost the same like when i've been going out a little bit in vegas everyone's just so happy to be out 
Like it's not, like you could pl- literally play whatever you yeah. want or play whatever you was playing earlier last year or whatever the fuck. Throwing in a couple of the songs that stood out this year, and then just kind of like just mix it all in. But people are just so happy to be out and to hear songs that they remember. And the older shit is working better than some of the newer shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's really not changed at all. It's not like anything's changed. I think the way people approach like there's not going to be that many clubs. There's might not be no bars that, but whatever survives is going to be like the it shit. Do you know what I'm saying? So whatever city well, you're in, whatever survives. In, in, in Miami, the local spots were actually already killing the clubs. Like yeah, yeah. Wynwood, downtown, whatever, was already crushing the clubs. So like now, given that they're the only thing open because they're mainly like outdoor spaces. I mean, I for maybe my perspective is too Miami-centric, but I really don't, I really don't see how like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't see how like the beat, like for example, clubs on the beach, like maybe live will survive and maybe some of like the minimal, minimal tech oriented clubs will survive that are specific to like a genre. But if you're like an open format club on the beach, like I don't see how you reopen after this. You know? I also got to think like if I'm a club owner, I'm one wondering if there's going to be another pandemic. You know what I mean? Like this just changed. I think this changed everything, you know, like right. not, the way that you think about, about, long-term nightlife well, some 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 we'll are thinking like that others are like oh this motherfucker's closing let's take that and then let's take this sure. too and then let's and then it, and then before you know it every club every club experience is gonna be by like you know grutman in miami you know and it's like what or whoever it is that that is like the leader it's always what, been like that, that the most cash. That, that's how it's always been in miami there's always yeah, been like I'm a never couple again fuck it i don't care you don't ever. You've never wanted to DJ though, Rock. I mean, I, I was gonna, I was gonna move back to New York and like try to work on music and DJ some cool stuff. Maybe get like, I don't know, be like a waiter, DJ some lounges or something. That was already my plan, like before COVID. I was gonna move to Seattle or New York, and I was like, well, I'll go to New York and like give it one more try. You know what I mean? And like try to have the sort of career that I wanted to have from the beginning, not like get sidetracked being a fucking scam artist and doing all this sh- bullshit. I like do something cool, like following the Ellie Escobar uh, footsteps, like a little, a little prettier, a little less talented. Um, <laughs> but uh, but then when COVID hit, I was like, oh, this is fucked. And so let me. I got the fuck out of my apartment. First two weeks, I was gone. Packed up my shit. I stayed at my family's house in Virginia. And then I was like, well, this is still fucked. I can't go to New York, even though it's cheaper. It's not as cheap as it should be. And there's no fucking way to make money. I can't DJ. I can't even work at a restaurant. Like only the top, top restaurant people have their restaurant jobs. So everyone else is fucked. So what am I going to do? Like, what does the future mean? So what do I do? Do I dig in to creating a brand for myself online so that maybe I have a future in this thing when it comes back in some way that I'm not going to understand? Like, I just said, fuck it. And I took my stimulus money and I bought a smoker and I'm chicken ribs. <laughs> Barbie so are there, are, there D- are there DJs that like got even that, that like made more of a name for themselves since COVID yeah. than they had D-Nice. beforehand with their live stream stuff? Yeah, that nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but he was already a big DJ. I'm talking about like, has, no, have there been DJs that I found so. like a... Yeah, no, I but so. I think people are trying to hold on. And I said, 
I don't want to fucking grip the reins and hold on for dear life. I'm going to let go and see what happens. But, but so, there's a few DJs. So, for instance, we in New York, we're familiar with Get Live. Yeah. But through Twitch, yeah. I feel like a lot more people outside of New York are familiar with him. Mm-hmm. I used to He's do my good. party and I used to do my party in L.A. once a month. So I knew of DJ Bella Fiasco yeah. before Twitch, but now she's killing it on Twitch. Right. And I feel like the whole DJ community knows about her. Natasha Diggs, too. Oh, Natasha like, Diggs, obviously. No, she was yeah. killing it. But now yeah. international, like her live stream thing is like yeah. through the roof. It's a whole it's a whole nother level. The way they've really stuck at it and have been consistent. Right. Um, so I, th- I think a few people have have benefited. Uh, you just got to you got to just you just got to adapt. Like, honestly, like we're, you know, Mo. You're a very different DJ than you were five years ago. You know, you're like dancing. You're like in front of the camera doing fucking moves. You know what I'm saying? Like you weren't doing that shit ten years ago. Like you, you really adapted. Well, no, because I had a had like a thousand people in front of me dancing. Now I got a camera pointed at me, and it's like it's so boring to look at a DJ DJ. Yeah, you know, but you've been da- like some- even at your gigs, you were dancing a little yeah, bit more yeah. and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but you maybe, kind of adapted. maybe it's. Huh? No, maybe it's because he because he's playing parties that are making him want to dance more. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. I'm you playing know? music I love consistently. Yeah, right. I just want to yeah. dance along to it. But, right. Yeah, yeah, well, but it, but it's different because a lot of a lot of us haven't been like, yo, like I got to study these moves and like and bust these moves while I'm DJing. Like that's the last shit any of us are gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Right, but, but I mean, I just had a year off like everybody yeah. else. Nah, you know nah. What I mean? But you've been slowly <laughs> adapting to that shit. Like you've been kind of becoming well, I, I more of a front man. You be, I will say this. Steve Aoki. Yeah. Really you guys are out here. That's fucked up, man. <laughs> Shout out to Steve Aoki. Never met the man. Uh, you guys are like amongst my few DJ friends. Yeah. I actually have a much bigger dancer community. Like, yeah. I by and large, I don't really fuck with DJs like that. Smart. But I have so many D- uh, dancer friends, you know. Those are the people that in Brooklyn in the city that I used to kick it with. That's who we left the club with, you know, after the parties. That's who we got late night food with. So I think by osmosis from watching all those yeah. people through the years, for sure. once I was kind of like standing on an island by myself in Africa, I was like, I think these moves are permeating in my body. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they just kind of downloaded their magic in me a little, a little. I ain't no dancer though. I have to say, like, as, as far as like, you know, live streaming and, and whether DJs are getting big or not. Like, I, don't, I really don't think that people, like, I, I think when you live stream, you're really just doing it for yourself to give you yourself like a sense of, of value or worth. Like, I don't think any, I don't think like anybody's coming out of this thinking or getting gigs because they were live streaming. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like some people already had a brand like that. Well, that's what they did. Like, so super Sam and four color Zach, like they already had like a brand to build on. But for most of like the regular DJs, it's kind of just like no nobody's gonna get booked because they live streamed a ton, you know. Like when when this shit is over, Moma's gonna get booked to do everyday people because everybody still remembers everyday people. Obviously, it's only been a year, and that's what they're gonna go look for. People, a club booker is gonna go book Ross One mm-hmm. because he's been DJing for I don't know a hundred years. Like say you know yeah. whatever. What I'm trying to say is like people are gonna go back. People are gonna go back to what they know. It's not gonna be because of my break, my break beat, all vinyl. uh, Forty-five minutes. Exactly. Exactly. My my point is like people are gonna go back to what they know, and the real question is, 
when this shit opens up, who's going to be getting the jobs to book DJs and to do this kind of shit? Is it going to be like a younger, newer person? Did the older person already move on to another industry? Like really those, those are the questions and things you have to worry about. Because like for the most part, if it's still the same people that have the jobs, it, they're going to go back to the same shit they were always doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The right. Bookers. I mean, I, a lot of bookers are gone now, so we'll see. Yeah. What I mean, there. And, and I do think we tend to like overthink uh, the pluses and minus of streaming. I think by and large, we're, we're all a little bit older here. You know, some motherfuckers have families. Some people like Brock have like existential crises, like, you know, crooked. <laughs> you got a podcast and a business. I'm thinking, do I still want to be, you know, DJing and like getting home at 6 a.m.? But a lot of the people that have been killing it on Twitch are just dudes that's been waking up unemployed with nothing to do the whole day at their disposal and like, fuck it. Yeah. Let me just get on there and DJ. Let me turn yeah. this camera on and do my thing. And not everyone is as intentional about what they do as this group of old men. You know That's what I'm right. saying? <laughs> and no one, no one in this group like is on uh, Instagram, just like talking into their cameras on a random pre COVID on a random day, just being like, Hey everybody, let me tell you. Through no, Moma, Moma does. Moma. You obviously don't watch Moma's stories. Moma does it like in a <laughs> high pitched voice or whatever. Sure. If you if you're you know if you're in in uh wherever the fuck he's been yeah. all last year, you get a pass to like you know show it off. But um, but that's just not our personality type. No one in this group, you know, unfortunately, mostly yeah. Crook is actually the one most who's most yeah, embraced, for sure. kind of a, a online know. persona. I think, I think some people really like. I'm fucking terrified and I'm going to throw it all at this streaming thing. So I'm fucking terrified that this is going to go away and I'm not going to be around when it comes back. Right. I totally agree with type for it. You yeah. know? And for like me, I used to lose jobs constantly because I wasn't on the mic. I wasn't, you know, personable enough with the crowd. I didn't look like I was having a good time. Streaming just amplifies that times a thousand. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. And I would say the one good thing about streaming is I got a little bit more comfortable talking on the mic. You know, mm -hmm. even doing streams with my girl, like, which I really enjoyed doing. You know, I was just like interacting with people I couldn't see and it felt like practice to me. Right. But then I had to go back and be like, do I really want to be practicing? Like, it's going back to like being a bedroom DJ. Like, I probably shouldn't be practicing in, <laughs> in front of like anyone who wants to tune in. Um, but but I will say what you did good, Ross. I, I thought it was cool that you did a show that like had a theme, like your, you know, your break stuff. Like, I think that is really, I mean, uh, people should just do whatever the fuck they want. Yes. Okay. Fair. But also like, if you are going to try to do something, I think it should have a direction and like uh, a sort of like yeah. theme to be based off of which is what i thought you were doing that's cool like i think i think more people should take time to think through if they are going to try to like make a big deal out of it they should take their time to think through what it is that they're going to be putting out there if if all they're doing is just like yo i just want to get on and play like records okay cool whatever like you don't have to worry about it but if you're like if you're like telling people 8 p.m like be here whatever time like it's i think it helps more to build an audience and like do you know, make some noise if you are like building something, some form of brand, sort of like how you would build a party, I guess, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of it was desperation. A lot of people was just throwing shit at the wall and they were just coming on yeah, and just yeah, like, sure. I don't want to be left out. I don't want to be forgotten. 
And, yeah. you know, a lot of the shit was very mediocre DJing. And it was like, <laughs> yo, fam, yo, remember me? I DJ, I DJ. It's like, this shit is corny. And then it's like, everybody's yeah. playing the same fucking records. And it's like, yo, fam, um, that shit's not going to matter. Those records are not yeah, going to matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, if, but you're going on Instagram to play... If you're going on Instagram to play like Mo Bamba, like, come on, bro. What are you yeah. doing? Like, what are we Well, doing? I mean, this is a very like, interesting, like, way to kind of examine job security. Because usually job security, everybody's going extra hard so they can keep yeah. getting hired, right? But you've never had a situation where everyone lost their job at the same time, right? <laughs> right, right. So right. it's not even about job security. It's about rehirability. It's like everybody's right. thinking, what can I do to get rehired? you know, on day two yeah. when, when stuff comes yeah. back. But like, for me, nobody's come for me. I, it's not like I have the throne. I just have my own custom chair Your that I've built thing. for myself. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And no one came for it. Yeah. So I'm chilling. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to stream. But for somebody who's kind of reliant on uh, bottle service world, where the bookers aren't necessarily, they don't got like their finger to the pulse of culture. They're just looking for who's the most relevant, who's the most visible on social media. Those motherfuckers, they need to be streaming mm -hmm. or they need to be releasing music or they need to be doing something so their name is constantly in front of those people. You know what I'm saying? So I, I get the people that stream and I get the people uh, that feel like they don't have to. I think a lot of people were delusional. They were thinking that so so much attention was going to certain DJs that that if I just took my little followers of this, that, and the third and I did the same thing, that I was going to go under the same results. And that's just not true. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't happen like that. I, I mean, it's definitely not true, but like, they could take a stab at it, right? Yeah, but I thought it was cool. I mean, I thought it was cool when you would like bust into a random DJ's like fucking IG live and they were playing like some random shit like you never expected them to play or like, you know, whatever. I thought it was extremely sad when you would walk into like a dude was like on IGI playing like Travis Scott for like three people. Like if this is what you're going to use IG live for, like you might as well not have used it. Cause you basically just cost yourself. Like this is more of a bad look than it is a good look. However, if you're going on to three people and you're playing like some cool shit that like people are like, Oh, I didn't know this dude was into this or, Oh, this is kind of cool that he's playing this. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of respected that more. I would think that that was cool. You know, I don't know. Does that make sense? But like when I think when D Nice popped off, right? When he really popped off, I felt like people were like, "Yo, this is an open market." And then they started, yeah, yeah. and then they but started they were wrong. And then they started realizing, they like, "Nah, this is only D Nice." Like, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but like, D Nice, I think D Nice is a testament to good music, and that's why mm -hmm. when people are talking about what's going to happen when when the clubs open up again, I am not worried. Like. I know for a fact, if I get up there and I play George Benson, give me the night, everyone's going to dance. You know what I'm saying? I know for a fact, if I drop like a classic reggae song, everyone's going to dance. And so that to me is what D-Nice is a testament of. He just got up there and he played like disco and R&B mm -hmm. and his Oprah and like half the country was in his comments. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but D-Nice is a testament to D-Nice. And I think people... Even people tried to replicate it, like even Questlove was like trying to do like live streams, like, uh, and it was like just not, it was not D nice, you know what I mean? Like, he's just like a, a unique person whose like skill set 
is like a skill set and network of humans like perfectly works for that. Like, yeah, great. Yeah, the, the job that he's done networking as a DJ for the past, whatever, 10 to 15 years is right. unmatched. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's not a person he hasn't met that he tried to like not have a, a real relationship with. He's kept in contact with everybody. Every time you right. meet him in the club, he's smiling. He, he always leaves a good, warm impression on you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even if that's superficial, a lot of times that's all that people get. They just get superficial shit. You know what I'm right. saying? So when people wanted somebody to turn to during you know the beginning of the pandemic, they were like, yeah, of course, D nice. He's the nicest guy, you know, and he's he's a great DJ. And I think those two things just worked hand in hand. But like to Questlove, for instance, he's more of like a, a mysterious, you know, upper elite celebrity. He was a full fledged celebrity. Upper elite, I like prior. That. Upper elite. Yeah, he was like Questlove was a full fledged celebrity before the pandemic. He was not right. the everyday man, and he was not right. approachable. So it's impossible to flip your brand overnight right. to be the people's DJ like D Nice. You know, see, that's why that's why that's why I can't make it, bro. Like, D nice superficial. I'm too real. You know, I'm too real. Like, I can't I can't break it like him. Keeping it real. <laughs> oh, my God. That's I love this. Uh, what do you call it? Well, I mean, D nice continues to amaze. I feel like what is he like? Is he on the cover of like Time magazine? Time was he nominated? I think he got nominated for Time Magazine Person of the oh Year. My yeah. Oh my God, for real? I hope. Yeah. He, I hope he wins. <laughs> yeah, at least that's major. <laughs> no, I just didn't realize that he had permeated the mainstream like that. Yeah. That's, that's yo. This is in the that's zeitgeist. Major. Oh yeah. I mean, wow. he, he's hosting like award shows like every other week, right? He's on. He's doing something like it's crazy. I just want him to keep well, my, going. I want. I want to see how far he can take it. Like, is if you know my, what I mean? My business partner. Uh, his girlfriend is uh, Chris Lighty's daughter or wow. his fiance and they were going to get married and obviously COVID fucked it up. But D nice was like, he's like, so the DJ, because he loved, like, you know, they grew up together or whatever. He loves uh, Chris Lighty's daughter, Tiffany. And his, like, I guess somehow like his agent was like accidentally CC'd in an email. <laughs> and she was like, Oh, do they know that you're like, like accidentally BCC, like, do they know that you have like millions of people watching your streams now? Like, what are they paying you? This is, we have to renegotiate everything. And I'm sure he's getting mad cake now, like crazy cake off this shit, like way more than he, what he got before. Obviously, he intervened, like, no, that's my little. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. Like, like you're super mega now, but some of these gigs that you committed to, they're grandfathered. You know what I'm saying? Let's just say, I, yeah. let's say, yeah, I committed to doing family, like, like yeah. all of y'all's weddings in 2021 and some yeah, for whatever yeah. reason I, I blow up then i'm like i'm still gonna do y'all weddings you know what i'm saying but that's well, nick, it that's it nick's wedding he was getting it for free but it's just a funny that he was accidentally bcc'd in that whole conversation which is like <laughs> that's the reality like the dude the dude is his profile raised but also his potential income now is gonna like skyrocket because he's like made himself way more relevant through that shit Mm-hmm. Well, he single-handedly replaced the entire DJ industry. He's, it's been consolidated into one man. Everyone's <laughs> bookings have been channeled to one person. You know what I'm saying? No, that's so, real. That's not even You know, like... rap the man and bubble rap or whatever. God, 
protect the nice. He is the entire DJ industry. Got to start a DJ me, uh, agency. I'm like an expert Netflix Hulu watcher. I've seen every 30 for 30. That's what I've gotten good at during the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? But D <laughs> yeah, nice, cannot... he's got all the gigs. You cornered Netflix. <laughs> That's so fucking hilarious. You're, you're absolutely right. Like everybody wants D nice. And he needs to start an agency or something, right? Because yeah, he's not going to be able to. He's not going to be able. He's not going to be able to take all of these um these gigs. He's got to. No. He's got to pass it down. But can you imagine? I mean, like, can you imagine a booking right now? And somebody's like, "We would love D Nice for our event." Oh, he's not available. But I have MoMA for you. And they're like, "Who?" <laughs> I wave you Who off. The fuck is that? <laughs> Like, there's not oh, even, like, a second dude. person that's anywhere near. Yeah, they, you know would change the, they would change the date to the event just to get denied. Right. It, it says, like, he's, he's kind of, like, in the psyche of people who are not aware of any DJ, right? Before, you had the people who booked these events, they were familiar with DJs. They had a little Rolodex, 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 DJs, right? Now the people who are asking for him, they, the only, they only know, like, Top level celebrities, and he falls in that realm. So yeah. I don't. Know, I think that the aim is to be number two, or number three, <laughs> or number four, or just to be in that conversation, so you can kind of get like the crumbs. We got to pick up I'm the crumbs. Cool. I'm cool with number ten, to be honest. Like, I'll take anything. I mean, I think the top five are, are going to have to be black. So number ten is, is a good number for you. <laughs> there you go, you know? I'll take anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, what do you call it, guys? I think we we're gonna wrap it up. I think we're hitting like the two hour mark, if not more. No, um, past the two hour mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yo, yo, man. I don't know if I don't know if this was a good podcast, but I'm really glad we all hung out and talked because yeah. that was cool. I yeah, I'd like, much rather this not be a know. podcast. I'd much rather you don't publish this. The premiere part just came out all wrong. We're at two twenty. It was why they final cut pro. It was like, sorry, Joe Maz. I called you an idiot. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 20 minutes of like DJ Premier slander. We yeah, and that, it was about 25, but yeah. yeah. We got all, yeah, we're sorry. Premier, you are the dopest. You're like all of our legends, like for real. So, like, we're yeah, just. But not like more than Riza, I guess, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 Who's, who started that convo? Was it Ellie that started that convo? Ellie, of oh, course. Shit. Oh no, it was Rocky Cop. Nah, of course. Who else? Who else? He started out with slander. Yeah, started off off like, the like, rip. He was like, I was surprised by how disappointed I was. <laughs> Yo, but let the record show where I stood. You know what I'm saying? Nah, let you backpedaled fast. You were like, I mean, oh no, 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 no. I never backpedaled. I, I never pedaled nowhere in the first place. <laughs> I all I know is Moma said fuck premiere. Like, I yeah, 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 yeah. I heard that too. Oh, right, here comes the fake news. Here comes the fake news brigade. And Brooke I, is going to edit the say, promo. I used, no. I used to be really sharp and listen to factual things until I heard the road podcast. Yeah. So mod. Now I've yeah. been, <laughs> so been indoctrinated. Anything is possible. This was dope, man. I, I really appreciate everyone coming through for uh, the road podcast, Friendsgiving, especially you, Goldfinger. Your first Friendsgiving <laughs> sucks. <laughs> I swear, I'd be disappointed Goldie all the time on social media. He fucking hates everything I do. He's like, yo, what's wrong? Oh, Goldfinger, Goldfinger, everything. will you just do a DJ set just for us, please? Yes. Like, can you, you don't have to do you, it for yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
most fun right now because he doesn't want the most fun streams I saw. Well, the the best one I saw over all of this was Brucey e. B. It was like DJs who I never get to see. Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Those were like the the people who I was most excited to like catch a set, just because I never, for whatever reason, you never get to My catch a set. Live streams oh. ever. Easy Mobi's fucking time machine. Easy Mobi. It was like some, incredible. That that was the, my favorite part about it was seeing people I otherwise haven't you know seen DJ. I would love my to favorite see. part. He was, was like good. Brucey e. B. was the the only person that in the, all of this that has inspired me to DJ. Like I was just I was just blown away by how good it was. And and I unfortunately I don't have a microphone uh anything so I can't copy it. <laughs> Not many Blatantly people try to rip it off over the mic with the echo. I w- I would love to see a gold uh goldfinger stream and an Elias yeah, yeah. stream. Just do it just do it for us. Yeah. Pre-recorded. Oh, you can't even, you can't even you see can watch him on YouTube. head in this chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, what's There's no gonna, budget, but you know. What's it going to take? What's it going to take to get an Ellie stream? Or I've, like, done, I've done streams. But like, no, no, no. But like, no, no. Would you do one? Uh, fuck. Would you do it like us? a pre-recorded, like a pre-recorded set where you just had a video camera and you recorded, or that would be like painful to do? Oh, I've, I've done, done, I've do done it. I've done it. Ellie's done like seven thousand no, radio the shows. La- <laughs> the last <laughs> so one I did recorded Ellie <laughs> mixes no, out the there. The last one I did was uh, the Major Laser Festival. Yeah, I think oh, that was the that last too? one I did, and um, I set up my thing. And like something was wrong with my uh, with my Zoom, and it was like I was it was I looked like one of those um, old Godzilla movies, like moving like <laughs> right, and it was just horrible. And the sun was setting behind me, so I had yeah. sunlight blasting from behind. So all I was was like a silhouette. And I was like, man, whatever, the music's good. Then this guy Moma sends me his. What do you think of this shit? He has. Helicopters flying over the beach. <laughs> he said helicopter. Like, Are you kidding me? And I was like, I'm not doing this ever, ever again. I'll wait till the club's open. Oh shit! <laughs> Yo, I really wish I was in New York because if I was in New York, I would set up all the equipment just so Goldie and Ellie and all these other motherfuckers could just stream from there. Because I know, feel like actually the, a oh, lot yeah. of clubs, a lot of clubs are having streams from their from the venue. Yeah. Like uh, uh, one of them is Good Room in um, Greenpoint. They've been doing streams from their from their venue. It would be kind of cool to set up one for for uh, you know, like if you wanted to try to do one and come up with a lineup yeah. to make it happen. I think, you know? I think I think the best the best room is Lebane because you could do it during the day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's yeah. sunlight and coming it looks in. Looks amazing. Cause, yeah, because like streaming in a, an cool. empty club is sad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But with Lebane, you got like you know the Hudson River in the backdrop and, and the buildings or whatever. Yeah. And sunlight yeah. coming in. I, I recorded one for some festival and, and it came out pretty good. Moment, Moment Goldie, speaks, you, Moment speaks from experience because he's he's done right. it. Goldie, your birthday coming up, right? The 16th, 16th of December. Because I'm the 14th. I'm the fourteenth of December. I'm, I'm gonna hit you offline, man. I'm gonna hit you offline. Yeah, we're gonna talk wow. about something. That'll be Moments great. Create a master plan now. That'll be great. I would He's love to see that. He's already shut it down. Don't. It's he, a... I want to hear you play. Uh... <laughs> he said, "Don't call me." Yeah, no, no, no. We need that. We need I that thought, set. I mean, if your audience is completely uninspired, something. like, what's the point? You know, I mean, it, it's wouldn't want to do it unless I really. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Oh man. Well, yo, man, it was it was really good to see you guys, man, and uh, 
with the holidays coming up. I hope you guys are safe and stay in good health. And, uh, you know, hopefully we could do a little bit more of these. Maybe not so many of us, but, like, you know, I'll, I'll, spa- I'll space you guys out. I just wanted to, like, see all everybody and just check in with everyone and whatnot. So if you want to watch this episode on YouTube or view some of our older episodes as well, you can go to YouTube.com slash Road Podcasts. Like, comment, subscribe. We post new episodes every Thursday. Every Thursday, y'all, without fail. So definitely come check out the new episodes on YouTube on Thursdays. And on Fridays on YouTube, we've been posting our older Sunday battles from Twitch. So Jamie and I have been working really hard to get these older battles on YouTube for you guys to watch. So every Friday, you can check these older battles on YouTube. And you can also check the newer battles on Sundays at twitch.tv slash roadpodcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitch and uh, subscribe if you can. We just started a new Tuesday on Twitch as well called Road Tuesdays. Basically, everyone in the crew alternates every week. You could check Never One Week, Jamie One Week, D-Miles the next week, and myself the next week. Hopefully, you know, we'll start incorporating some of the homies and have them do some guest spots as well on Tuesdays. So definitely check that out, twitch.tv slash roadpodcast. And um, thank you guys for for, for coming through and... And um, peace, man. Peace. Peace. All right, guys. Thanks, peace, guys. Okay. Good to see all you guys. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye, guys. Yes, sir. See you later. Happy New Year.